Welcome uh, to WEMJ in Guilford, New Hampshire. Now, they, uh, they also, I believe, cover Laconia, New Hampshire, if that's pronounced correctly. And uh, we're glad to have you on board. You have no idea what a weird experience you are in for. We do strange things on this radio program, and tonight is going to be no exception. As you know, I have an abiding interest in time travel, and I have had all my life. I have connected with a man that you are about to hear who has a time machine. As a matter of fact, he has sold time machines. It's an interesting story. It was covered by Strange Magazine, issue number 14. His name is Stephen Gibbs. And if you will go to my website, there will be a link there which will take you to the Strange Magazine story on Stephen Gibbs. And that link is up there right now. So that, if you want to do a little research on what you're about to hear, uh, there it is in written form. You can get there by going to my webpage at www.artbell.com. All right, here we go. Um, and we're all going to learn about this together. Uh, because I only spoke with um, uh, Steve Gibbs. Steve, well, we better find out here. Um, uh, Stephen, should I call you Stephen or Steve? Oh, it doesn't matter. Uh, Stephen's, or Steve's all right. Steve's all right. All right, good. Steve it shall be then. Um, Steve, when uh, did you... Let's find out about you. Uh, you are not a scientist, are you? Well, I'm an inventor. Uh, Oh, okay. An inventor. Um, uh, let me ask you, are you, you're not on a portable phone, are you, Steve? Uh, no, I'm not. You're not, okay. We've got a little hum on line for some reason. Uh, but we'll live with it. All right, anyway. Uh, so you're an inventor? Yeah. All your life? Uh, no, not all my life. I uh, I just got started into electronics uh, back in 1981. And, uh, well, that's a while ago. And from that point on, I uh, just kind of added stuff to it. So you're an inventor entrepreneur. That'd be fair. Yeah. All right. How did you get interested in time travel? Now, that's a good question. Um, uh, it was back in the year 1981. When I thought I was contacted by one of my other doubles or counterparts. Wait a minute. You mean yourself? Yeah, from myself. From uh, some alternate future universe. Uh, but I then later found out, well, it started out that uh, uh, with a letter that was dropped off at a... Uh, at a video uh, uh, department store uh, that 
how can I put it? Um, that was uh, delivered to me by a man who uh, worked at this uh, video arcade store, and uh, he claimed that somebody uh, dropped it off on this uh, on his counter there while I was while I was gone, and uh, I later stopped back. And uh, he no, said, no, wait. Who who was the letter? Was this letter to you? Yeah, yeah, this letter was supposedly from me, from my other self, from... Uh, from the future. Yeah, from the future. And uh, it was really strange because as soon as I started reading it, uh, chills just started going up and down my spine. And uh, But I later found out at a later date that it was uh, that the letter was not written by my other self, that, uh, in fact... Uh, it was my other self who contacted the person that was working there to oh. send, to write me this letter that would that would motivate me to start work and to start to do research on this uh, time travel stuff. And from that, from oh that man, point how on, how totally weird! I mean, when you read this letter, uh, did it reference enough things about you? So that you knew whoever it was had to know you. Uh, yes, it did. Uh, well, it said stuff about uh, oh, about pyramids and stuff like that. But uh, it was enough to let me know that it was my other self. Yeah, it was no question about it. From how far in the future? Oh, uh, I would say it was from. Uh, Oh, I would imagine any time uh, from 1992 on up to uh, uh, 1998 or 1999. So, and that that was received in, in 1981. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that would sure get your attention. Uh, that yeah, would sure made, get your attention. Made my skin crawl. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that yeah, I can see how that would get you interested in time travel. Um, let's be clear here to the folks. There are a lot of people talk about time travel, and they talk about time travel in the mind. Yeah. And I'm not saying that's not possible, but that's not exactly what we're talking about here, is it? Well, there's different types of time travel. There is uh, physical time travel where you can move physically back and forward through time. Both directions. Yeah. And okay. then there is quantum time travel, and that's where your soul can move into another one of your counterparts right. in a parallel universe. Astral projection. And then astral projection comes after that, and then uh, mental time travel, which I suppose could be somewhat connected with astral projection. But what you're talking about here, or what I'm uh, primarily interested in, is you're telling me actual physical time travel is possible. Yes, that's correct. And you have a machine that can do that. Yes, that's correct. Uh huh. Um, before you got the circuit that allowed you to build this machine, um, what? How did you begin to reach out to try to figure out how to build or how to get a time machine? Well, it 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 started with uh, an article that got published in a journal up in Canada. And some people, uh, and, it, and the article was basically on time travel. And some people over in Fitchburg, Massachusetts, saw it, 
uh, or this one person saw the article and contacted me by telephone, and uh, he went by the name of uh, Jim Gerard. And uh, he then, and then that was basically the person that, uh, at a later date, sent me the schematic for what the device was first called, the Sonic Resonator. Sonic Resonator. Yeah, and then it later evolved into the hyperdimensional resonator, which I now sell uh, through, through this business that I have. You sell time machines? Yes. This is very cool. Um, do they work? Yes, they do. Uh, uh, All right, wait, wait. I guess before we get to that, look, I'm a ham operator, so I'm somewhat at least technically competent. Uh, I've been a microwave engineer, and I'm sort of curious, what, what is this, or as much, let's put it this way, as much as you're willing or can talk about, are there um, aspects of this that you don't let out, proprietary, in other words, uh, what do you secret? Um... No, I uh, don't. Uh, I don't keep any secrets from anybody. I just tell them flat out what it can do and what it can't do. All right. When I talked to you earlier today, uh, it was very brief. But one of the things you did express was concern for your own safety. Yeah, that uh, that too a little bit. I'm I'm a little bit uh, leery about making public appearances or going up to see somebody in person. Because uh, I have encountered a lot of uh, negative feedback from that area, and I've run into a lot of, uh, should I say, uh, people that you would not wish to uh, talk to in person. Why? Why would they be unhappy with you? Uh, do they? I mean, what do they accuse you of, or what? What would make them feel antagonistic toward you? Um. It's, it could be any number of things, I suppose. Uh, uh, one of the reasons why uh, 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 maybe perhaps that uh, I'm getting some uh, negative feedback there is because uh, maybe the government doesn't want this information to be released to the public. For the simple reason, they're afraid that uh, it might fall into the wrong hands. But oh, I should say. But by the same token, uh, I really don't have nothing to worry about there because, uh, like I told uh, lots of other people, that uh, these generators that I that I build and sell uh, generate infinite amounts of uh, tachyon particles, which deals with basically with pure white light energy. Right. And if a person, so basically, since the device is, uh, way I believe, is, is tuned into the creator, anybody who has uh, oh. bad intentions... <laughs> All of a sudden, I see why you get that kind of feedback. Tuned uh, into the creator. Right, uh, right there, you've made a lot of Antagonists. Yeah. Yeah, I see. Uh, but, uh, but the re but but you see, anybody who has any bad intentions aren't going to be able to uh, use a device for evil purposes 
because it is a uh, concrete white light generator. And so only the people who have pure intentions are going to get results. All right, well, Strange Magazine did an article on you, uh, issue number 14. We've got a link on the web page. Um, so they apparently felt there was enough validity to what you're doing to send out a reporter and write a big story about you. Was it a good story? Oh, yes. It was uh, several pages long. Uh, I would say something like three or four pages. Uh, well, the interview is... was all done on telephone, though. Right. Right. I understand. Uh, now, the device itself. Uh, you say it generates wh white light? Yeah, pure white light energy. White light energy. Uh, or tachyons. Or tachyons. Okay. Uh Pardon my ignorance. What's a tachyon? Well, it's a uh, it's a it's a time particle. Is what it is. It's a particle that uh, uh, basically has multi-dimensional properties, which allows it to move through time. All right. Uh, I would imagine it, it deals pretty much with soft light particles, or uh, uh, that that would be about the most I could. Uh, Explain on tachyons that well. There's basically well one other thing I could I could say would be that uh, there are three different types of tachyons. There's positive, negative, and zero tachyons. And your positive ones go into the future. Your negative ones go into the past. Uh huh. And the zero tachyons go into uh, I suppose other dimensional realms, or can lock onto other dimensions with your machine. If you want to go into the future, I mean, I mean, I always, you know, I remember the old H.G. Wells deal, where you'd push a lever forward or reverse from yeah. a center, a center point to go either ahead or behind, uh, uh, in time. Yeah. Uh, is that the way it works, or is is yours a different setup? Yeah, mine's a slightly bit different setup. It's based on uh, radionics. It uh, what what it does, it takes your soul energies. Uh, steps it up through the zero vector and then uh, converts it into two points of resonance. Yikes. And when it creates two points, and whenever you have two points of resonance, you always get a time warp. Always. All right. uh, at least this wait, is what my wait. equation has stated. All right, Stephen. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, you lost me. So if you lost me, you lost some others. Let's start at the beginning. Our, you, you said our soul. Yeah. Yeah, the so it, it steps up the soul energies that you transmit into it. Well, once you get the stick on the rubbing plate, it has a... It stick has a on special... the rubbing plate. Wait, 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 Steve. <laughs> stick on the rubbing plate. Hold on. Um, let, let's uh, go through the first thing you said. You said our soul, which I believe is an electrical... Um, thing of energy. It's, it's it's there's energy in our soul. I believe that. Yeah. So does this receive that energy? Yes. It receives the energy. All right. And then does what with it? It uh, steps it up uh, through the diode circuit, which is built inside of the circuit, uh, or built inside of the box, and. Uh, 
then after the uh, store, uh, and after it steps it up, it it, it divides it. All right, again, I'm going to stop you. I'm going to yeah. stop you because I I really, really, really want to understand this. Uh, we're at the half hour break. Just just relax. When I come back, I'm going to ask you what frequency uh, our souls operate at. You know, Kenneth. Hey, Kenneth, what is the frequency? I think that's the first thing we've got to know. Stephen Gibbs is my guest. We're going to talk tonight about a time machine. We'll be right back. This is TRN and CBC, Talk Radio Network and Chancellor Broadcasting Company, home of Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell. Now, here again, Art Bell. Tonight's topic is cool. <laughs> We're talking with Stephen Gibbs, Steve Gibbs, and Steve Gibbs has a time machine, a real time machine. And we're going to slow him down. We're going to find out if we can exactly how this thing works. And by the way, I can see a picture of Steve Gibbs here because if you'll go to my website, www.artbell.com, you will see a jump point. And you can go over and take a good look at um, uh, not only Steve, but uh, or is that the author? I'm not sure. We'll find out. And there's an article here about Stephen Gibbs. A man who uh, built a time machine, and it will give you details. I'm getting a lot of faxes already. Uh, how do we find out more about this? How do we get one? We'll get to that, I suppose. But they want to know more. So, obviously, go to my website, jump over, and read the article written uh, about Steve Gibbs in Strange Magazine. It's up there. All right. Uh, let me, uh, uh, let's, let's find out here uh, right now. Uh, Steve? Yeah. Uh, is that photograph uh, of you? Uh, yeah, that's just the picture of my face. Uh, yeah, that's right. Uh-huh. They uh, sort of put a blue circle around your face. It's kind of interesting. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, well, there you are. I'll be doggone. Um, anyway, getting back to where we were, our soul, um, our, our being, our energy, uh, what frequency do you know that to be? Well, I think our souls oscillate at around uh, uh, 7.8 hertz uh, cycles per second. Sounds about right. 7.8 hertz. I believe, you know, I've done interviews. Have you ever heard of HARP? Uh, yes, I have. Uh, the HARP Project in Alaska, I've interviewed Dr. Nick uh, Begich and others, and they too talk about frequencies in this, in this range. 7.8 hertz, way, way down there. All right, so your device picks up uh, this frequency of 7.8 hertz. Yeah. And then does what with it? Well, it, it takes your soul energy or the frequency and uh, steps it up through the diode circuit. Right. As and you would, a du like a doubler? That, uh, in other words, uh, you can use diodes. Uh, to double voltage, for for example. Yeah, no, no, there's no doubler in it. Uh, what it does, it uh, it takes these energies and it uh, divides it into uh, an AC-DC field. Okay. And this sets up two points of resonance. And whenever you have two points of resonance, according to by time equation, you 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 create you end up creating a time warp. 
And after this frequency has gone through this circuit, it is then transmitted, well, basically it stepped up to the zero vector after the uh, okay, frequency is divided. And oh, okay, it, there's where you lost me. Zero oh, vector. Okay. Zero vector. Going too fast. Zero vector. What is a zero vector? Uh, zero vector is uh, referred to some scientists as the sphere, or uh, what I refer to as the creator. Is that anything like zero point energy? Yeah, that would be on the same same basis. Yeah. Oh, that's fascinating. Then that makes sense. All right, so 7.8 hertz to diodes uh, to zero point, I'm sorry, zero vector? Yeah, it transfers it through the zero vector out of the diode circuit and on into an electromagnet which hooks up to the machine. An electromagnet? Yeah. Wh what kind? Uh, just a... Uh, uh, electro, uh, just a uh, electromagnet with a uh, 21-gauge magnet wire wrapped around a steel core. Okay. And uh, and how much voltage or current apply to it? Uh, it's 110 volts. 110 volts. AC. Yeah. AC then. Yeah. Yeah. Just uh, this this device just hooks right up to a, a, an ordinary outlet. Wow. You know this so far. This makes sense to me. As long as I'm able to stop you and uh, find out what it means, uh, so far it actually does make sense to me. Um, all right. So you've got an electromagnet acting in, in what way? Uh, in other words, influencing, putting a field around all of this, or what is the electromagnet acting on? Uh, see, the, uh, the electromagnet acts to transmit the soul energies, which are stepped up through the circuit, and then it is then, uh, uh, in other words, it transmits the uh, the energy then into your stomach chakra, uh, which is which is done when you place the electromagnet over the stomach region. Oh, so you actually you take this machine and you place it near your stomach? Yeah, yeah. You, t you place the open end of the electromagnet over the stomach region, and then that, that transmits the energies into the stomach chakra, which then conditions your soul and aura for time travel. Uh, this basically tra uh, pro uh, programs your soul to, uh, to initiate the commands. Wow. Um, you have... Well, let's go back to the the first time you finally got this machine together. How yeah. many how many failures did you have before you succeeded? Before you got it right? Uh, none, actually. Uh, got it right the first time. <laughs> and that was because you got the schematic from somebody else. Yeah, yeah. It, but uh, but I was thinking, you know, when I got the schematic, wouldn't it be a nifty idea? If instead of just using it for time travel, that it could be also be converted into a radionics machine, which could be used not only for healing and for increasing a person's psychic abilities, but for uh, 
tuning them into the Creator as well. I, I now begin to see why you're in trouble with a lot of people. <laughs> in other words, you're in touch with the God force. And um, there are a lot of people out there who are going to go, well, I can't repeat what they would say. Well, I hope so. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, yeah, I know. I, I now I understand perfectly. Um, all right. When, then, was the first success of actual physical time travel? Uh, the first actual jump physically through time. Uh, I would say was in uh, uh, the month of uh, October in 1986. October of 86. And uh, I was working with a uh, uh, hyper-dimensional hyper resonator at that time, a sonic resonator. Um by the way, did you have any help, or were you doing this all by yourself? I was doing this all by myself. Uh-huh. And your uh, family and your friends, uh, did you tell them what you were working on? Yeah, but my mother thought I was full of beans. So. <laughs> she did, huh? Yeah. Your own did. mother? You mean your own mother? Yeah. How disappointing. Yeah, well, she has an open mind. Otherwise, she probably wouldn't allow me to do research on this stuff, but... Uh, uh, she doesn't like to let people know that she... <laughs> In other words, she doesn't tell the neighbors over coffee, my son, the time machine maker and traveler. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, do you still live with your family? Uh, yes, I do. Okay. And uh, we're not going to give your exact location, or maybe you are. I don't know. Well, if, uh, if people wish to, you know... But you're out. Uh, you're out on a catalog or something, you know. You have I can a, oh, give you, my address. Oh, you have a catalog. Yeah, yeah. No kidding. You're you're out on a farm, right? Yep. Uh, and is that where you've done the work on the farm? Uh, yeah, basically, yeah. All right. Much. Do you have like a workshop or I don't know a time travel room or? Well, yeah, it's a workshop. It's uh, it's down the basement that I. Uh, where I built the machines at, and then, uh, then I uh, do the finishing touches in my office room upstairs here. And I see. Getting ready to ship off. How many time machines have you manufactured? Well, I would imagine well over a hundred. Wow! Since 1986. So there could be a hundred time travelers out there. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> oh my. Problem of it is the reason why I don't have more feedback on them is because the ones that usually end up using them don't stay around very long. Um, they end up disappearing to some other time. Of course they do. Um, just as a matter of idle curiosity, of the people that you've talked to who want to do physical time travel, and you know we'll get into the cases, but do most of them, I'm curious, want to go forward or reverse in time? Uh, most of the time, they want to go uh, go back into Earth's past to get away from it all. Yeah, I understand that. Uh, they realize that there are some upcoming cata uh, Earth cat changes that they just would rather, rather not, rather not go see. through. Oh, boy, does that ever make sense. Um, 
Is there any favorite period of time, would you say, that, you know, talking to a bunch of people? I mean, I mean when you somebody calls you up, <laughs> I don't know how they hear about you. Maybe the, the uh, article in uh, is Strange Magazine. Is that is that mostly how people have heard about your machine? Well, I also advertise. Yeah, that's part of it. But then, then I also advertise through Fate uh, Magazine, Nexus. Oh, you do. And then uh, through uh, oh, there was another one, um, Alternate Perceptions. And uh, those those plus the uh, uh, my advertisement up on the website. With my interviews, basically. Uh huh. What? Well, what I was gonna—I yeah. was beginning to ask you—you know—when you talk to all of these people, however it is they've heard about you, is does there seem to be a favorite time segment for people to go back to? Mm, it seems like a lot of people like the uh, uh, 1500s the best. The uh, 1500s. For the simple reason, the economy. The ecology back in, in those days was extremely well. Um, Everything was virgin, and uh, I mean the air was clean. Uh, True. People, the, I've uh, i talked with people over in California who said that uh, the people that uh, go back to those periods don't ever want to come back because everybody's so kind and loving towards one another. And, well, that's pretty much true. But I mean, people even back then were getting run through with swords. Well, Something yeah, like that. <laughs> but I, I suppose it depends on, uh, you know, that's probably a lot of pop culture. I mean, even then, it wasn't all sword fighting. It was, I'm sure, there were a lot of really wonderful places to live. Yeah. The entire structure of family and society was utterly different. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there was one uh, person who... Uh, I sold a unit to went by the name of uh, Khalil Lutfi, who lived in uh, Chicago, Illinois. Oh, you're being heard in Chicago right now. What was his name? Uh, Khalil Lutfi. Uh, it's uh, spelled K-A-L-I-L-U-T-F-I. Okay. And he had bought a machine from me, and he had the most incredible doggone experiences I've ever heard of uh, in connection with this machine other than uh, this uh, Michael Francis Mazurkowitz who, uh, you know, uh, used it also for physical time travel. But, All right, well, uh, well, we'll get to him. What about the fellow from Chicago? Yeah, well, anyhow, he, uh, last I heard from him, he was thinking about activating it over a grid point with the help from his sister. And uh, and they were planning on, I guess, going back to the uh, to the uh, time period of the uh, Greeks. Really? To live there uh, because uh, he had journeyed back there astrally and really liked it there. He had, he claimed he, he stayed there for something like a week before he returned back to the uh, to his own physical body. So, in other words. A lot of people will use astral travel to sort of scout out a time period. Yes, you, you could do it like that, yes. But anyhow, the last I heard from him, he was going down to Idaho, and and after that, he disappeared into thin air. Nobody knew where he went. Or uh... Okay, now, now here's one little problem that I see. 
just from a practical point of view. Yeah. Now, when you sell ma machines to people and they sort of more or less disappear, yeah. Um, sometimes I would think the family and friends of the disappeared would be concerned um, and that the police would be concerned. In other words, these people, they're gone, right? Yeah. And and, and that, that amounts to at least, at the very least, a missing person report, I would think, and some sort of investigation on the, on the part of the police uh, that, that might even, you know, imagine foul play. Yeah. Has that ever been an issue? No, not with the... Uh... No, he was just... Uh... Or, I mean, do even family members call you up? Uh, no. Something like, uh, hi, Stephen, I'm so-and-so. My son bought a time machine from you, and he seems to be gone. It's, uh, well, uh, yeah, I can understand what you're getting at. Um, uh, generally, the people that buy these from me are either, well, I see that, that the, the person by the name of Kyle Lutzfi who bought the machine from me, he was an orphan to begin with. Uh -huh. And he was staying with a, uh, he, he was staying at a halfway place that was run by a bunch of nuns over in Chicago. And so, uh, when he disappeared, there, there was there was no family concern on his behalf. <laughs> well, now that makes sense. It also makes sense that people who would want to time travel are probably dissatisfied or not very well connected in this time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that would make sense. It seems like a lot of the people that I run up against are, are people that are separated from their family, you know, yeah. bad disagreements. Yep. No, oh. that's that's totally logical, totally logical. Otherwise, uh, with connections, a family, a wife, friends, community involvement, why would you want to leave? Yeah, that's true. So these are people who just basically uh, want out. Uh, have you have you ever run into to anybody um, uh, who wants to go forward? Oh yeah, yeah, I've. Uh, uh, yeah, I've run into some uh, people who have uh, wanted to see what the 21st century would be like. And, uh, I think that's where one guy sold a unit went to in Australia. Really? Uh, he had, uh, yeah, he, he this guy had had bought a unit from me back in uh, I think it was uh, 92 or 93, and he had bought me a uh, ton of crystals from me to use in connection with. I mean, he, he bought something like, oh, geez, must have been $50 or $60 worth of uh, double terminated quartz crystals to use in connection with it because he wanted to be guaranteed the assurance that she, he was going to go physically to the time. Right, well, all right. Look, um, we will get to that. We're at the top of the hour. Relax. You've got several minutes. Grab a cup of coffee. Uh, we'll, we'll come back and continue with this. Time travel. This is a man who manufactures, has built, and now manufactures time machines. Real, physical time machines. His name is Stephen Gibbs. I'm Art Bell, and this is CBC. 
This is the CBC Radio Network. I'm talking tonight with a man who has built a time machine. You don't believe it, do you? Steve Gibbs. Stephen Gibbs is his name. Strange Magazine did a very extensive article on him, uh, and we have a link to it on our webpage. So if you want to know more about his time machine, uh, and we're going into great detail here. Uh, that's right, I said time machine. Then go to my webpage, and you'll see a jump uh, link to uh, the article all about Steve uh, Gibbs right now. It's hard to go into the last hour completely, but to recap, uh, Steve Gibbs uh, lives on a farm in the Midwest. Steve has a workshop in the basement, a finishing area in the top of his house. He makes time machines. And I know this will sound like some gibberish, I guess. Uh, Steve, you correct me if I'm wrong, but the mind or the soul operates at about 7.8 hertz. Yeah. Uh, which is logical to me because it's the heart frequency or very near it. And, and just about everybody I've had on has agreed that our brain uh, works at about that frequency. Then uh, your device uh, then goes to diodes, which somehow, let's see if I can remember, divide uh, this frequency into an AC-DC uh, component, respectively. Yeah. Uh, it then goes to what's called the zero vector. Or stepped up through the zero vector. Stepped up through the zero vector, or uh, otherwise known as zero-point energy. This audience will know about that. And then the whole thing is affected by an electromagnet, uh, which is how many turns of wire? Uh, well, it, I don't know how many turns is on it. It, it has 21-gauge it has magnet wire on it. Okay, and you're you're activating that with 100, 110 uh, AC. Yeah, yeah. And then that uh, electromagnet fits over the uh, stomach region, the, or should I say, the open entity electromagnet fits over the stomach region. Do you uh, hold it there, or do you strap it there? Hey, you just hold it. Uh, it has some handles on the electromagnet that uh, you just simply hold it in place. Like you were degaussing your belly or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and then um, the soul and the aura are thereby affected, uh, and time travel. If you're now, now one important point is you've got to be near a grid point on the Earth. That is an area of magnetic anomaly, or what? Uh, yeah, well, that's basically an area where the gravitational ley lines intersect one another. Okay. Uh, well, are there many of these? Oh, yeah, they're all around. Uh, the only problem of it is only certain types can transport you physically through time. Generally, the ones that uh, are capable of doing this are the ones where uh, UFOs are sighted over. Somehow that figures. Uh, this all began when Stephen received a letter that he thought was from himself, and in fact, really in a way was from himself, written by somebody else, yeah. delivered to a video store way back in 1981, uh, in effect telling him to proceed with this. So he got a schematic from a guy where? Uh, from Fitchburg, Massachusetts. And that was a schematic of this machine. Yes. Now, there's a man in Chicago who bought one of these machines, and 
He's gone. Yeah. He's gone. Of you've sold a hundred machines. Over a hundred. Over a hundred. How many of those people do you think are just gone? Oh boy. Uh, just a guess. Uh, just a guess. I would imagine over. I would imagine over thirty-six. Over thirty-six. Uh, I would say over. I would say anywhere from uh, thirty-six to fifty people. Are, of, uh, right, now these are people that are gone, 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 and they're not coming back. Yeah. Uh -huh. See, see, not everybody's interested in time travel to buy these machines from you. Some just buy them for the uh, simple reason of either increasing their psychic abilities, or else, um, or, or, or else in connection with just you know, like uh, help healing people. Right. But I am particularly interested in the time travel aspect of it. Yeah. Now, um, if I wanted. If I wanted to time travel with this, could I do it? Oh, yeah. Yes. Um, all you have to do is uh, uh, locate your uh, grid point using a pair of dowsing rods. Uh, dowsing rods are used, you know, like... To oh, I, I know what they are. My wife can douse. Um, so you locate a grid point, which is where the dowsing rods come together? Yeah. Okay, then there's a lot of them. Now, dowsing rods are used generally to find water. Yeah. So if you were going, trucking along with some dowsing rods and they came together, how do you know whether you found a grid point or water, or would they be the same? Uh, I would say they could almost be the same, uh, depending on the strength of the uh, of the vortex. Um, I don't know if there would be any uh, the ones that were created by water. I don't think would be as strong as the one as the grid sites that were created from uh, quartz deposits. Quartz, yes. Um, uh, you mentioned crystals earlier. Are crystals used to enhance the effect of all this somehow? Well, yeah, yeah. I see usually. Uh, well, uh, the unit could do pretty much everything, but. By, by itself, but once in a while, somebody might not might need a little bit more energy in order to accomplish this. And so, what I do, I usually send a uh, double terminated quartz crystal with uh, every unit that I uh, send out. A double terminated quartz crystal? Yeah. What, what would that be? Uh, that's a crystal with uh, that's a quartz crystal with two points on it. Oh. Okay. One on each end. All right. All right. Does that actually physically attach to the unit, or simply need to be? In other words, what do you do with it? Uh, it it's inserted into the witness well, and it's designed to step uh, to step up the uh, light energies a little bit more. Huh. Um, well, that would make sense too. Yeah. Crystals are used, I believe, to amplify lasers, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, they are. Uh, uh, there's an interesting. See, the reason why. Uh, you use double terminated quartz crystals because they have some uh, interesting time harmonics built right into them. Hmm. Which uh, actually, uh, if you've got a large enough der double terminated quartz crystal, you could just simply uh, locate your grid point and just take the crystal with you. And use that. And use that to travel physically through time. 
just simply by focus uh, by programming the crystal to uh, transport you to whatever date you wanted to go to. Uh, now there's another question with your machine. How do you determine? Uh, you, you talked about tachyons. Uh, that's one part yeah. that I, I left out. Tachyons. Um, how do you determine which direction you're going to go and how far? Or that's determined radionically. In other words, let's say, for example, you want to travel to, like, uh, uh, January tw uh, 27, 1957. Right. To, uh, so after you uh, place the uh, time coils around your head, which hooks up to the hyper-resonator. Or you've got to put these around your head. Well, there's uh, there's uh, there's time coils that hook up to the unit that fits around your head, plus there's an electromagnet that hooks up to it also. And uh, but once you've got the uh, headband placed or coils around your head, yeah. uh, you then concentrate on the question: What are the rates while stroking uh, while you're stroking the rubbing plate? The rubbing plate, you know, uh, acts as a pendulum. And while you're while you're stroking the rubbing plate and turning uh, one or the other dials on it. Um, you then concentrate on the question, what are the rates that will transport my physical body and all of its components to January 27, 1957? And as soon as you get a stick on the uh, uh, rubbing plate... A stick? No, what do you mean a stick? It's when your fingers stick uh, while you're stroking it. Oh, 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 I see, I see. Yeah. As soon as you get a stick, uh, then that means that uh, the rate has been found. You stop turning the uh, top dial. Then you go to the second dial and do the same as before. There's two dials on uh, on the machine. Wow. And once you get a stick for both dials, then the coordinates are already set into the machine. And then all you have to do now is to uh, activate it over a grid point on the day of the full moon. On the day of the full moon. Yeah, and then uh, position the electromagnet, uh, open into the electromagnet over the stomach chakra, and it should transport you within less than three minutes. In other words, goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> uh, two minutes and 45 seconds to be exact. Two minutes and 45 seconds, and you're you're on your way. Yep. Um, what is it like, uh, I've got a million questions, uh, beginning with, what is it like to travel in time? In other words, when that two minutes and 45 seconds uh, elapses and you're someplace else, do you feel the transition? Is it like an NDE where you go down some long white tunnel or do you go through something or are you just suddenly poof on the other end? Well, according to the experiences of one person who had bought a unit from me in Great Falls, Montana, he uh, he said that he first initially feel an earthquake. An earthquake? Yes. And then all of a sudden, a uh, huge white light will, will surround your physical body, and but it's so fantastically bright that you cannot open your eyes. And then things just fade out from under you, and you start drifting through a void. And then all of a sudden, things uh, afterwards, after you drift through this void for a certain period of time, then things just start uh, forming around you again, and, and you end up finding yourself at the time that uh, you programmed into the unit. What about places? In other words, uh, 
for example, if you're going to do this at a certain location, yeah. how do you know where you're going to pop out? Is, is it at all worrisome where you're going to pop out on the other end? Uh, you don't want to end up in the middle of a rock or a building no. or, or something like that. Well, see, you'll pop out at the same location that you left. I got you there. But, but, but what if the location was not like like it was? I mean, if you go back to, say, 1500, you talked about some people that went back that far. Yeah. There, there could have been a castle there or something. Yeah, that's uh, part of the danger. But I think what would happen is the grid site would then move to a safer location is what is what would happen because they cannot, I don't think grid sites can occupy a solid object, uh, but I don't want to say that for certain, but so, you know, there is a certain element of danger, of danger involved in it, yes. Um, now, of those that have, have uh, gone on to whatever, how sure are you that these 35 people or more um, are not dead as doornails? Now, 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 I, I don't mean dead here because we would have yeah. their their charred little bodies. I mean, dead somewhere else. Uh, well, my uh, Michael Francis Berkowitz over in Great Falls is able to jump back and then return safely, and so I'm pretty certain that from that report and from what and from what uh, uh, from what a few other have have told me that they, they reached their destination point safely. Uh, but I can't be certain about all of them. Had, now, some some might have even gotten trapped in other dimensions for all I know. Ah. Uh, a, definite, there is, a definite possible hitch. There is a little bit of a danger there. That I haven't ever heard of anybody... Uh, with the hyper-resonator getting trapped in other dimensions yet, but uh, I suspect there might have been a few who may have had bad intentions, and they suffered the consequences because of it. In other words, you've got to go to you've got to go into this with good intentions. Well, yes. Now, let's say I had your machine and I wanted to go ahead to um, oh, 1999 and take a look at the market and see what was up, what was down, what stocks would be good to buy, uh, and then come back and uh, thusly invest my money. Would that be considered bad or even greedy intentions? Uh, Gosh, it could be. <laughs> uh, I, don't, I don't know if... Uh, let's see if there was any uh, amount of evil connected with it. Um, evil. Uh, or should I say, uh, a tremendous amount of greed connected with greed. All right. Suppose that you knew that was my motivation. I, I want to do that. I want to go get stock price, make a million dollars. And I came to you. I said, "That's what I want. I want. I want. I want. And I want to buy one of your machines. And that's what I'm going to do with it." Would you sell it to me under those conditions? Probably not, because I know right there that the guy probably wouldn't get results. All right. Hold it right there. We'll be right back to you. Steve Gibbs is my guest. Stay right there. This is TRN and CBC, Talk Radio Network and Chancellor Broadcasting Company, home of Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell.
Hi, this is Art Bell. I've got a program called Coast to Coast AM. It's all-night talk radio. It's spontaneous. It's kind of strange. It's got some rough edges to it. But it's what I think real talk radio is all about. It's right here. It's called Coast to Coast AM. Join me here in the middle of the night. CBC, Chancellor Broadcasting Company, Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell. CBC, Chancellor Broadcasting Company, for the strange and unusual, it's Greenland with Art Bell. What do we discuss on Greenland? Two fascinating areas. Is there life after death and are we alone in the universe? Two ultimate questions mankind's been trying to answer for thousands of years. We'll be talking about it this week right here on Greenland. Now, here again, Art Bell. Once again, here I am. Stephen Gibbs is my guest. If you want to know about his time machine, there's an article in Strange... Uh, Strange Magazine, I think that's what it's called, Strange Magazine. And you can get to it by going to my webpage right now, and you can read all about it. And read all about Stephen Gibbs. www.artbell.com is my website. You'll see the, uh, the link to the, uh, the Gibbs article right at the top of the page. And we'll get back to Stephen Gibbs, and I have so many questions about time travel. Kind of like an earthquake, he said, when you go. All right, Stephen Gibbs is my guest, and he is at a farm at a remote location. We may tell you more here shortly. Uh, Stephen, if I had your mom on the phone right now, can I ask you, Stephen, how old are you? Uh, I'm 39. 39, all right. If I had your mom on the phone right now, and I said, hey, Steve's mom, tell me about your son and the time machines that he builds, what would she say? Uh, that's hard to say. <laughs> so I think, nah, I don't get into that crazy stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I see. All right, I, I, look, we will eventually uh, get some uh, uh, calls here. Every every line is locked up and has been for a long time. But I've got some faxes here, and these make sense. Um, hi, Art, this is a question for Steve. Forgive me for asking this, but if time travel is possible, why... Is Stephen Gibbs still here? That's for me? That's for you. I, I couldn't answer it, Steve. Why are you still here? No, that's because uh, uh, I'm not uh, in any position to uh, travel to any uh, faraway period as yet. And not only that, it's, it's not as simple as one might think in locating the right type of grid point. Well, all right then. Let's, uh, Mike let's... Mazurkowitz had good luck because he lived close to a place, you know, where there was uh, UFO sightings. But since I'm really not in a position to uh, to go any place, since I would have to probably start all over again. Uh, I guess kind of like it here for now. Well, that was going to be my question, uh, and I think that's really the answer. In other words, the people that have gone, 35 or so at least, yeah. uh, they wanted to go. They wanted out of here. They wanted to go somewhere else. They didn't have a lot of family attachments, that, that kind of thing. Even if you could go, the answer then really is you don't want to. Well, not really. I do make jumps, though, from time to time, but they're only short jumps, like maybe a year into the future. All right. Uh, that 
brings me then to the next facts. It says, this is Mitch in Seattle Art. Steve says he's traveled to the future. He also mentioned that he liked to travel to the past uh, to stay away from the earth changes. So the obvious question, Steve, is uh, from the people that you've talked to that you've sold machines to, yeah. or your own knowledge, what's coming? Uh, from what I do, from what I saw, and from what other people have seen, that um, uh, by the year 2000, the Earth will have already have shifted its axis. Its axis. Um, I don't know. I think it'll just be a minor shift, but nonetheless, it'll be enough of a shift that it'll it'll create a pretty doggone uh, major earthquake. Global wise, mm. and uh, I uh, when I uh, when I used the hyper resonator a few years back, I went to the year 1997 around the month of uh, September. Later this year. Yes. And and I saw World War Three in progress. Oh, Steve. Now I hope that. This will be postponed. See, not necessarily everything you see in the future will come to pass. You're talking about nuclear war. Uh, somewhat similar, yes. Um, it was a huge aerial battle that I saw when I landed oh. there, and then I saw a huge uh, intercontinental ballistic missile being uh, oh, launched. That's bad. Being launched. Bad. And I don't know whether, well, it looked like it was going out, but... Uh, I would imagine there was a few missiles coming in, too. But what I'm hoping is that uh, this will be delayed for, I hope, for another 10 years. Well, See, I was going to begin to ask you about the nature of time. The past is fixed. In other words, it's already occurred in our timeline, anyway, or our dimension. Yeah. Uh, But the future... um, it, it is your view the future is malleable? It it, 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 it could be changed? Uh, or, uh, see, uh, okay, the, the, uh, there are some things that you cannot change in our future. There are things that are predestined to happen. If you see some, there's some things you can change, whereas there's some things you can't. Uh, now, when going into Earth's past, you can change the past but you only change the past for the person that has traveled back there. In other words, let's say, for example, somebody died in a car accident. Okay, okay. You wanted to go back and prevent that accident from happening. Yes. So you move back in your, in your time, with your time machine and, uh, and you intercept that event. Well, just at the moment that you intercept... That person from uh, colliding with another vehicle, yeah. uh, you hear a, all of a sudden you hear a large boom, thud, or popping noise, and right then you end up shifting over into another universe that is following a different course in time that matched with the event that you altered. In other words, it's going to happen come hell or high water. Uh, you might be able to alter it in one timeline, but not another. Is that what you're saying? No, no. When you go back, you can change it, but when you do, you shift yourself over to another universe that corresponded with the event that you altered. 
in other words, the person would still oh, be dead in this universe. Oh, oh, but in another one, he might still be alive. Yeah, that's correct. I've got it. That way it doesn't disrupt the uh, space-time continuum, because if that were to happen, God only knows what would. Or the whole universe would break. Down. So you're saying then there is a natural... Uh, what it's about? a law. It's a it's a time law that uh, can't be broken. It uh, um, uh, because if the uh, if the uh, if it were possible to change our own direct past timeline, God, this would be a disaster. Uh, yeah, it'd be a just a, a, a utter disaster. All right. Uh, here's another one. Very interesting guest art. It makes some sense to me. The machine makes sense, but. If you go back to an era before electricity and you don't like it there, how the hell do you get back? It's a, a really big practical question since, according to him, you have to plug the thing in for it to work. Thanks, Mike, in uh, Portland. Well, it's basically a time limit on, uh, on when jumping through time. Now, once in a while, you can get locked into another time period, which would probably be the danger there. But uh, normally, though, there's a time limit on the um, on how long you can stay in another time period. Generally, anywhere from six to nine hours, and then you just simply move. You just automatically return. Now, if you don't want to, uh, now if you want to stay longer than six or nine hours, then you have to program or program the uh, time, the amount of time that you want to stay in that period into the machine. I've got you. And, and your machine allows that to be done. Yeah. Now, an interesting th feature about the uh, time travel is, and I'm certain uh, people will eventually realize this sooner or later, is that uh, it has a unique advantage of rejuvenating the body after you return back to the present. In other words, you can go back, let's say, with a broken ankle or a serious illness or sickness. Right. And then, uh, uh, and then return back a few seconds later, shoot, you're completely cured. Now that certainly has good practical application. Yeah, yeah, it turns the aging cycle back to the time when you just stopped growing. Wow. And All right, this yeah. has already been proven by other time trials, it's been proven by Mike Mazurkowitz over in Great Falls. Uh, Boy, would I love to talk with Mike um, Mazurkowitz. Yeah, yeah. Or some of the others that you have sold these machines to. Do you generally have... Now, when you sell a machine, um, do you find there's a lot of customer satisfaction? Or is it kind of like the doctors who, uh, well, you know, uh, when the patient dies, they can't, they can't bitch about the service? <laughs> uh I generally don't get that many complaints. Uh, but 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 why would that be? Because the machine works as advertised, or because the people, as I said, really can't complain when they're. Well, uh, the interesting thing about it, the reason why I don't get too many complaints is, well, maybe the reason too is because they disappeared, and uh, uh, well, there you are. Uh, or. Uh, you know, even if they don't accomplish time travel, you know, they can still be able to use it either for help healing people or for increasing their psychic abilities or for increasing their intelligence. Some lesser thing. All right. Uh, here's another one. All right. Please ask Steve about this statement from Strange Magazine in the interview. Stephen Gibbs. Yeah. When they sent some scientists from the Montauk Project into Earth's future, they hit a barrier in the year 2012. 
When they yeah. tried to go past the barrier from 2012 to 2013, they couldn't go through. They could only go around it. But after they went uh, around it, they found that all life on this planet had been wiped out. Everything, gone, cities, in ruins, no life found anywhere. At least they couldn't find any. They concluded that everything had been wiped out. Sounds an awful lot like the event Major Ed Dames has talked about. That's another story, by the way. Is that is that right? Uh, yeah, that's correct. Uh, I feel that, uh, however, that is the future that is going to happen if the Lord doesn't come back and shorten those years. So there's there's some kind of barrier at, yeah, at yeah, 2012. Yeah, there. Uh, uh, right at the end of the seven-year tribulation period. Boy, I'll tell you, I've talked to a lot of people who have said that. You're not the only one. And uh, But the way I kind of figure, though, if the Lord doesn't shorten those years, that's basically what's going to happen to this earth. Stephen, I've talked to remote viewers who have tried to look out past that point, and they, too, say it's like a block, and they can't get past it, and they can't figure out why. And Ed Dames uh, has said that some gigantic, his word, spiritual event is going to occur. you consider that possible? Uh, they say, a lot, a lot of people say that the Earth is going to transcend into another dimension, but if there ain't no life on this planet, then what's there to ascend to? I mean, uh, um, but by the... I, I personally don't think it's going to be a uh, dimensional shift myself. I think the reason why uh, there's a barrier there is because uh, time is solely connected with human consciousness. And, uh, well, it's somewhat connected with human consciousness. And so if you eliminate the humans, shoot, you get your, you got your barrier. Yeah, I'll say. That'd make a barrier. All right. Now, there could be a dimensional shift, but I think that more or less is connected with the rapture occurring. That may be. Uh, that, that would certainly be a spiritual event, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, it would. Um, <laughs> uh, all right. All right, so a lot of people then, and I understand this, and they go into the past. Um, for me, I really dug the 50s. You know, I, I mean, I was young in the 50s, and it would seem like a carefree time, and I really enjoyed the mid-50s. Do you find a lot of people want to go back there? Yeah, especially a man in uh, New York City who had bought a machine from me, and uh, he's always... Uh, of course, he hasn't had the time to locate a grid point since he lives within city limits. But uh, he uh, that was uh, he hopes to activate uh, his or uh, uh, this hyper resonator over a grid point, he, uh, probably like towards the end of '98, in order to travel back to the year 1956, which I believe he will succeed. Definitely, since he has already seen his other self. In another time period. Ah, now there, there's my next question. Let's say I went back to 1955. All right. Yeah. I was ten then. Ten. Um, when I arrive in the past, am I able to operate as I can here? Can I touch things? Oh yeah. Will certainly. I be Will I be seen by people? Yes, yeah, certainly. I can talk to people. Yep. But if I try to alter anything. It shifts you over into another timeline. So, in other words, I can't screw with time. If I go back, I've got to 
keep it to myself and play act as though that's where I'm from. Yeah. Now, the obvious question is, if I go back to 55, what if I go and try to find myself? Well, wait a minute. Then I guess I'm, all, I'm screwing with time. I'm altering time, and it's going to shift me, isn't it? Well, yeah. As soon as you... There's, see, there's a rule of thumb you never want to do when you're time traveling is to run into your other self. Uh, the re, it's just like putting two uh, two bare ends of an extension uh, uh, of a wire together. You know, and it, it, what it does... <laughs> It uh, it doesn't destroy the uh, it doesn't destroy your other self. Uh, what happens is you either fuse into him if you get too close to him, or else you end up pushing him into another dimension. Mm. And that's why a person should not seek themselves out. Yeah, because oh yeah, oh man, it can it can it can, it can be a mess because uh, if you have to Imagine. take the place of your other double. Uh, after you end up uh, pushing him into another dimension or fusing into him, it could really mess things up for you. <laughs> All right. Well, then, if you were to go into the past, you know, you you would arrive without a Social Security card. I mean, assuming you even arrived when Social Security existed. Yeah. A uh, driver's license, any kind of ID or anything, you would be an, a, a person, surely, but you would have no ID. So do you ever tell anybody... Anything about that? I mean, suppose I went back to 1500, for example. Yeah, I know. Uh, I've often wondered how I was going to make it if I was going to move back to 1981, which I plan on doing someday, uh, possibly within the next year or two, um, how I'm going to uh, get by with my credentials. Exactly. Uh, but... I think what you can do is still use the same same ID form, still still get by. Uh, they're not going to get too far back. Yeah, but they're not going to like the date. I mean, if you show them a license, a driver's license, yeah, that's true. From nineteen ninety six or seven, they're just not going to like that at all. Yeah, now you could still use your social security number, but you couldn't use that's your true. driver's license or anything. Now, else. depending if you go way back, say to the year fifteen hundred, the the language. Uh, Problems, the customs, the that would be a hard way to go. Yeah, it would. <laughs> yeah, you'd have to be pretty well renowned on foreign languages. Uh, Listen, uh, I want to give you a chance to give your address. Okay. Okay, you do want to give it, right? Yeah, yeah. I sell a catalog for a dollar. Is what I basically. Oh, they can get a catalog for a dollar, and the catalog has your time machine in it. Yeah. Yeah, it tells my reports along with uh, two different types of uh, time travel devices. Oh, two of them. All uh, right. Uh, another, another experimental one that I've been working with and I'm selling through my uh, catalog is the uh, STM space-time modulator. STM space-time modulator. And this is a handheld pocket unit, which is, but it's, it hasn't been tested out yet for physical. Oh. Now, the hyper-resonator has been, but the STM... It's just designed more for those who just want to have an out-of-the-body experience. I'm not a big experimenter with things that haven't been tested yet. I, I, I like your model that, uh, well, you know, that, that that appears to work. Yeah. Um, well, now we're so close to the top of the hour. We'll give out the address after the top of the hour, I guess. May I ask one more question? How How long does it take you from the minute you begin building one of these machines 
until you've got the finished model ready to ship off to somebody. Some perspective. Uh, usually, um, usually on the average of uh, three to four days to build one of these. Oh, that, that's quite a project. Yeah, it is. It uh, takes me roughly around uh, anywhere from nine to 12 hours to build one. Are there any uh, exotic parts that are hard to get hold of, or is it just a lot of manually intensive labor? Uh, there's a lot of manually intensive labor, and uh, uh, I have three already built that are in stock now, and I usually keep usually keep three or more units in stock on the uh, shelf just in case I get a lot of orders. Yeah. Know? Oh, I I understand. Well, you know, if you've only got three in stock now. <laughs> All right, hold on, Stephen. Uh, hold on, and just get get your address in mind. We'll do that when we come back and take phone calls. This is the American CBC Network. The senior Democrat on the House Ethics Committee has turned over a tape of a controversial phone call made by House Speaker Newt Gingrich. Florida couple says they made the tape and passed it on to Representative Jim McDermott. He's declined to comment on the matter, but Republicans aren't being so bashful. This is a crime. Forty million Americans rely on the cellular phone every day for business or personal affairs. We just can't have citizens or members of our government abusing uh, that uh, that uh, process. That's New York Republican Bill Paxton. Others are calling for McDermott's resignation. This is the CBC Radio Network. It certainly is. Good morning, everybody. My guest is Stephen Gibbs. He has a workshop and a finishing shop on a farm in a location you're about to hear about. And he builds time machines. Real, physical time machines. If you want to talk to him, your opportunity is about to manifest itself. In this timeline, anyhow. Uh, so we'll get back to them in a moment. And uh, if you've missed the first hour, we devoted to a technical explanation of how his machine works, and he told us. The second hour, we talked about the nature of time travel. This hour, it's your turn. You want to ask questions? Great. And I know you do, because the phones are going nuts. Well, all right, uh, back to my guest, Stephen Gibbs. You want to know more about him, go to my website now. There is a link to uh, Strange Magazine that did an extensive article on Stephen Gibbs and his time machine. It's on my website. Go up there, www.artbell.com. You'll see a link uh, to Mr. Gibbs' article directly take you straight over, and you can read the article and ask questions from that or from what you've heard here. If you've missed a lot of it, you'll, it, you know, that'll fill you in to some degree. All right, we're about to go to the lines, but um, I have promised, and so I am going to allow Steve to give his address out. That's all you're going to give out is an address, right? Yeah. And for like $1, people can get a catalog, which has your time machines in it, and uh, then they can decide if they want to go any farther or they just want to have a time machine catalog, not something you get every day. Yeah. All right. What is uh, it's uh, Stephen Gibbs, G I B B S, right? Yep. And what is your address? Uh, my address is R R one. R R one. Box seven nine. Seven nine. Clearwater, 
Clearwater. Nebraska. And the zip is uh, 68726. 68726. All right. Stephen Gibbs, RR1, Box 79, Clearwater, Nebraska, Zip code six eight seven two six, right? Yep. And you've got and you've got a little catalog. Yeah. A, t- a time machine catalog. Yep. <laughs> and then if they want to order one of the time machines, uh, if you get a bunch of orders, I've got it. I mean, you, you said you've got three uh, sitting on the shelf. Yeah. Yes, I do. Well, see, Stephen, I've got a, a lot of listeners, millions even, and so. You could get sort of backlogged. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you should uh, then inform people, I guess, of how long a wait somehow is going to be if you get real backlogged. Yeah, that's what I plan on doing. Yeah, all right. Um, all right. Please, Art, ask your guest if it is possible to bring something back from the past. Say I wanted something small, like a pack of pre-war, green-label Lucky Strike cigarettes, very politically incorrect. Uh, could I bring them back, say, from 1935? That would be cool. Thanks, Dan, in Eugene. Could you do that? Uh, yeah, yes, you can. Uh, uh, Mike Mazurkowitz over in Great Falls is able to uh, retrieve a newspaper back from the year 1945. Really? Now, some objects can stay... In the present time frame, without without running the risk of anything happening to it, but then other objects, after the space of something like three to four days, will begin to fade out on you. Fade out. Yes. Fade out. Fade out. Cool. That's kind of like, oh, uh, what was that movie? Oh, what was that movie on TV? About the people in an aircraft uh, airliner uh, who went back in time, the uh, all right. Anyway, uh, th- those things too began to fade out. So, a physical object cannot necessarily stay in the wrong timeline very long. No, unless of course it was somewhat predestined to stay there. I don't know. I think certain laws apply. To retaining an object from another time period, All right. depending on whether or not uh, it was stolen or obtained by natural means. Ah. Uh, could you ask Steve what would happen if you went back in time and something happened and you got killed back there somehow? Would you be dead back there only, or would you be dead in both times, past and present? No, you'd be you'd be dead back there only. Oh, no kidding. So if you went back to 1500 and somebody ran you through with a sword, uh, you'd be you'd be okay here, unless you were locked back there, and then you'd be in trouble. Um, oh, you're not sure about that? Uh, no, well, if he died in another time period, uh, let's see, if somebody ran, ran, uh, ran a th- uh, sword through you in another time period, for exactly. example... Exactly. Uh, you you die in the other time period. Yep. Uh, no question about it. But but would you come back here and be alive? Maybe with a not sword. if you're dead. I mean. Okay. So in other words, dead is dead. All right. Yeah. Um. Art, how does uh, uh Miss Gibbs know 
that an ICBM, the one you talk about, wasn't being launched to break up, say, a meteor. In other words, how do you know uh, that it was a war that was underway that you saw? Uh, the reason why I knew that was because I saw bodies falling from the sky. Oh, God. From, uh, uh, from the, uh, uh, how can I put it, um, uh, the air battle that was going on. I see. There was just so many people being killed in the air that, uh, at first, you know, I thought it was rain. Then I started looking closely at what was falling from the sky, and it was uh, body parts. Bodies, oh, that's horrible. That's yeah, horrible. Is. That is horrible. All right, here we go to the telephones. This should be an interesting experience. There will be some people, uh, Stephen, I can tell you right now, uh, who are going to say things like, you're making this up as you're, you're going along. And that that can't be because how they did this article in Strange Magazine on you when? Oh jeez, I think it was back in ninety four. Ninety four, so they did that uh, the three years ago. Yeah. So there, you can't be making it up as you're going along because yeah, ninety four. It's either ninety four or ninety five. I think. Uh, uh, I can't be certain because there was an area there where uh, it overlapped between two years. All right, if somebody comes on and says to you, Gibbs, you're as crazy and loony as anybody I've ever heard time travel, it's, it absolutely can't be true, what do you say to someone like that? Well, you either, believe, you either have the faith or you don't. <laughs> All right, I, one last question, then we go to the phones. I've interviewed a guy named Mike Markham, who I nicknamed Madman Markham. He is back near Kansas City, Missouri, and he has built this incredible contraption, um, which began as a Jacob's Ladder. I don't know if you know what that is. Yeah. Okay. Then he's got these rotating magnet, electromagnets, and he's got this giant thing built in a warehouse, and he's developing three million volts, and he's going to walk through this thing, and he's trying to achieve... What you say you've already done, time travel. Yeah. And I'm worried that Mike is going to fry himself uh, like an overdone French fry. Uh, it sounds like it. Uh, so I'm wondering if Mike ought not consult with you. Now, your device does utilize an electromagnet using 110 AC volts. Yeah. Is it UL approved? Uh, what do you mean, you all approve? <laughs> <laughs> you know that little sticker they got on things that says you all approve? Never mind. I didn't mean to ask you that. <laughs> all right. Here, here comes some phone calls. Let's see what happens. First time caller line. You're on the air with Steve Gibbs. Hi. Hi. Where are you? I'm in Los Angeles, California. Los Angeles. All right. Um, I just want to, first of all, let Steve know that I'm just uh, asking questions so I can, you know, try to help better understand this. That's fair. Go ahead. I promise you, I'm not trying to dispel what he's uh, created. Go ahead. Um, the, uh, earlier, he talked about uh, how you couldn't maybe travel if, if it was under uh, false pretenses or greed, as he said. Right. I, I tried the greed question. Right, exactly. So um, if you're dealing with uh, an object that is capable of understanding and manipulating the complexities of time travel, um, why would it be affected by something that is... Uh, merely a contrived human moral. All right. Uh, in other words, why does morality... Now, I asked you, uh, Stephen, um, whether you would sell me a machine if I stated my motive was greed, and you said no. 
but his question goes to the the zero point energy or the God force. Yeah. In other words, so how do you answer that? Um. Oh, that's a that's a good one. Um. Why does that force care? What your motives are? Well, um, and look, you, there there are questions that I understand that you could not answer. I don't think I could either. Um, we're getting into questions like where does the sky end or something, or <laughs> about God. Well, I would say you know if it if it if it goes so far as to harm other people, then you know you know why is the Creator going to allow that person to make the jump? All right. I, I think that's fair to leave there. I mean, I, I don't expect you to have the answer to that one. Wildcard Line, you're on the air with uh, Steve Gibbs. Hi. Hi, good morning, Art and Steve. Uh, it's John in Dublin. Dublin where? Uh, California. All right. Uh, knowing your timeline, Art, uh, if you've got the old Kingston Trio thing, you, you should put it on for the next uh, round. Uh, did he ever return? Ha, 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 ha. And the guy stuck on the train, right? Roger. Yeah. Um, and uh, my questions for Steve are... Um, the grid parts. Uh, are there grid parts in water, do you know, Steve? Uh, is that over in California, you mean? Well, anywhere. I know it, it seems like that would be a safe place to pick. Oh, he's saying, can you find grids on water? Oh, I see. Oh, I, I misinterpreted that. Yes, I would imagine so. Uh, uh, I... Uh, yeah, you would, you might be able to even obtain a little bit better results if you could uh, activate it over a body of water. Okay, now how do you come back? Uh, does the machine go with you? Uh, only if you uh, program it to go with you. If you don't program it to go with you, uh, only the electromagnet will move. Oh, no kidding. Uh, All right, as a matter of fact, uh, uh, th thank you very much, Carl. There was, tell us a story. There was a guy who made a jump. And something broke, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. It, it, it sliced his unit into two parts because he didn't program it to go with it. So it the, cut it in half? Well, yeah, well, yeah. It, it sliced the connections between the electromagnet and the unit is what it did. So he ended up on the other end, wherever he went, with one piece and some dangling wires. Yeah. Yeah, basically, with the electromagnet, the unit stayed behind, and the, he didn't want to try that again. So uh, he next time he uh, on the second jump, he made to uh, to uh, to another year, I think, uh, to uh, to sixty nine or something. Uh, I can't remember for certain, but uh, the second time he made the jump. Uh, he then programmed the information into it, and then both the machine and the electromagnet went with it. Now, this is really important, Stephen. When you sell a time machine to somebody, does it come with a good instruction manual? Yes, it does. I mean, that seems very important so that people don't do that kind of thing, because it would be really upsetting to go back to, say, 1500 and be there with just a piece of it and dangling wires. You'd go, oh, man, or even something else. Yeah. Well, that's if they would happen to accidentally get locked into that time period. Now, if they didn't get locked, they would automatically return after six to nine hours. Yeah, see, that goes to the question that a lot of people have facts. And they say, this is crazy because there wouldn't be any 115-volt outlet in 1500, so you're up the proverbial creek. Yeah. Uh, and, and, again, your answer is, well, you can program it two ways. One to go back and stay there, 
yeah. in which case tough beans, you're, you're at your new home, or you will automatically return, you said, in six to nine hours. Yes, oh. correct. All right, thank you. East of the Rockies, you're on the air with Stephen Gibbs. Hi. Hello. Good evening, Art Bell. Good evening, Stephen Gibbs. Where are you, sir? I'm Tim in St. Louis. All right, Tim. Um, I have two things. One, a statement, which is that, uh, you know, you should contact Mike Markham or somebody out there should call him just so he can correlate data, if nothing else. I know. Oh, I know. Yeah. Yeah, he ended up getting abducted, though. Oh, did he? Yes. Uh, some uh, time trackers or some MIB agents uh, hunted him down back in 69. Are you talking about Markham? Uh, well, Mike, Mike Mazurkowitz. Oh, Mazurkowitz. Oh, no, no, I'm talking about Markham. Oh, right. Madman Markham. He's talking about Madman Markham. You don't really know Madman. You ought to. No, no that's a whole other story. Yeah. Huh. Okay, and my, uh, the other thing is a two-part question. If you go back in time and you do alter an event and it shunts you over into another dimension, um, what happens? To your double in that dimension, are you just sitting there next to next to your other double, just like you would be if you went back in time to say when you were a little kid or something? Uh-huh. And uh, no. the part of that question. Well, let him, let him answer the first part. All right. Okay. Uh, no, you would you wouldn't. You'd be shifted over to a universe where your other self wasn't there. Uh, oh wow! So like you'd change the event, and there wouldn't even be another person to confuse things. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Okay. Uh, well, maybe I'll still ask the second part. Anyway, even though that kind of covers it, which is that um, you said that like one of the ways that you attune this device by like uh, you like concentrate on the time that you want to go back to. Yeah. Can you also attune this device in such a way like like somehow say trade places with another self in another dimension that wants to be where you are and you want to be where they are? Uh, yeah, I think so. There was a friend of mine in New York City who went by the name of. Uh, oh, hold, hold it! Hold it! Hold it! Both of you, hold on. We'll be back to both of you and pick that up. Uh, caller, can you hold on through the break? Sure. All right, stay right there then, and we'll be back to both of you. This is the American CBC Radio Network Time Travel. Now, here again, Art Bell. I mean, this has got to be the one. Time travel. Is it possible? Or, as one rather rude faxer says regarding Mr. Gibbs, medication time. (laughs) Medication time. What about that, Stephen? Uh, Just before we go back to this caller who's on hold, uh, have people talked to you about, you know, Wearing the white coat that you can't get out of, and going into the padded room and all that sort of thing. Uh, uh, no, not really. Uh, generally, the ones who think I'm crazy or or a fruitcake, uh, uh, they just generally never contact me to begin with. I understand that. Uh, I understand that. Uh, and by the way, remember the movie we were trying to think of? Stephen King's The Langoliers. That was it. That was that was a good movie. All right, caller, you're back on the line again. Okay. So go ahead. Okay. Well, my question was, um, considering that you said that the uh, part of the operation of this device involved mentally concentrating on a specific time and then like attuning the device and then going there, 
would it be possible to um, to like mentally concentrate on um, on say a time where there was another version of you that wanted to be where you know you are now and you wanted to be where they are and essentially creating places so that you know nothing would get messed up or altered or anything like that at all. Yes, you can do that uh, quantumly. Quantumly. Yeah. See, there's uh, there's different types of time travel. There is uh, types where you can move back or forward through the arrows of time, yeah. or if you or if you if you want to move uh, or when you move quantumly, that's when uh, you trade places with another one of your bodies over in another universe. And yes, that can be done. I've I've uh, not only have I have done it, but uh, uh, a friend over in New York City has also done it as well. All right. Uh, here's a practical question uh, from, uh, let's see, it's Michael in Indiana. Um, if you get backlogged, um, uh, Stephen, in manufacturing time machine by the millions, would you be willing to sell schematics and or assembly instructions for me to make one sort of in kit assembly mode for myself to alleviate the pressure on you? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I do that. Oh, no kidding. All right. Uh, here's another one. Um, how far back in time can you go? What are the limits? Could you go back and watch the pyramids be built? Uh, yeah, there's uh, practically no limit, uh, depending on the grid point. I mean, uh, uh, yeah, you can go even back to the time of Atlantis if you wanted to, <laughs> uh, provided you didn't hit no barrier. All right. Uh, first time caller line. You're on the air with Stephen Gibbs. Hi. Uh, good morning, Mark. Good morning, Steve. Where are you, sir? Uh, I'm calling from the Monterey Peninsula. This is Michael. All right, Michael. Yes, uh, Steve, if you would, touch into the health aspect. Say you went into this with the common cold, uh, possibly where if you broke your leg, maybe a birth defect. Now, going in or coming back out, would you not have a cold, a birth defect, broken leg? All right. Good question. In other words, if you... In a way, I think you did answer that already, but if, you, if, if something is wrong with you health-wise today and you travel back uh, in time, would you return with that health problem gone? Yeah, pretty much so, yes. Uh, yeah, it rejuvenates your uh, entire uh, system. Uh, as a matter of fact, the more times you jump, the, the more it changes your physical appearance. Oh, really? How so? Uh, In other words, you, you, you're younger? Yeah, yeah, younger, but eventually, if you make enough jumps, eventually you become physically perfect, or at least I guess. Really? And uh, one woman was telling me she did that when, uh, whenever she'd get a few wrinkles on her face. She'd just pop back to the 1960s, and then a few seconds later she'd be back, and her face would be back cool. to normal again. I, You know, there's a few Hollywood, well, anyway. Uh, let's go to the phones. West of the Rockies, you're on the air with Stephen Gibbs. Hi. Hi, this is Dan from San Diego. San Diego, yes, sir. Uh, yes, I have um, three questions. Um, one is for Steve, and that would be, um, can you bring objects back from the future or, let's say, people? Okay, we already covered that. We didn't cover people. How uh, can you bring people back? Uh... If you, uh, take a person back, though, there's... There's a danger there in, in, in bringing uh, human beings, uh, spe especially from the past to the future. The reason for that is they've proven in the Montauk Project that uh, uh, if you travel, like, say, into the future and stay too long there, 
you begin to age rapidly. Oh. And so the same rule would be applied if you were going to take somebody from the past to the present. There would be a danger of uh, of that individual aging quite rapidly after the space of three to four days. Uh, however, this could, the problem could be remedied by uh, having the individual set in a pyramid for something like two or three hours, and that might be able to stabilize its time frame. Okay. Uh, other than that, I, it would be uh, quite dangerous. All right, one more question, caller. Uh, yes, and I was wondering um, if you could run into yourself in the future. In the future? Yeah. I, I would... Well, I don't know. Uh, uh, the same rules apply as in past time travel. You'd end up pushing okay. your uh, other self over into another dimension. That's what you do. All right. Larry in Bristol, Virginia, wants to know how much one of your time devices costs to buy, purchase. Uh, they usually run for right around uh, $360. Around 300 Boy, that's cheap to travel on time. Um, east of the Rockies, you're on the air uh, with Stephen Gibbs. Hello. Hello. My name's Dave from Ohio. Hello, Dave. Uh, you know, this is just really amazing, everything I've heard tonight. Uh, I'm, I work for a small science company here in Ohio, and uh, the gentleman I work for is named Charles Story. He just wrote a book, The uh, Grand Unified Theory Made Easy. And as he's showed me this book over the last year and taught me, what, what his theory is all about, it, it shows a science that would uh, enable you to build these kind of devices and do these type of things. Well, does the device described sound like you heard uh, Steve describe his? Uh, yes, I've, I've seen uh, some of Charlie's experiments. And uh, from what I've seen, we take a transformer, and just a regular transformer, and then run run uh, the electricity to coils, yeah. and these coils have reversing fields, yeah. and these reversing fields have caused some really strange phenomena that we've documented and have been working with, and uh, all along we believe that we, we could build something like this and that this is the technology of the future. Uh, there's a uh, the new geometry, uh, there's a new geometry they have based on hyperspace been, that I've seen that has been worked on, and Everything everything here fits together. I, I just uh, wanted to call in and, and let you and uh, Steve know that, geez, I, I just think this is really it. Um, given an opportunity, caller, would you travel, and if so, where? Uh, you know, I, I would like to travel. I believe that everything, uh, I, I've done some theological studies, and, and I do believe that the earth is changing. I believe that if you did go to the future where they, where... No, even the uh, remote viewers haven't been able to see anything. Yep. I believe that there's still something going on there. Uh, maybe we don't have yeah, it just in might our be, consciousness the perception. Yeah, it just might be real lonely, that's all. Well, um, well, uh, if, if there was going to be a, a band playing dog whistles, we wouldn't be able to hear the music, but the music would be real. Well, that's right. And, all right. and there yeah. might be actual living going on there, but with our narrow perception, we, we wouldn't be able to perceive what's actually happening in that higher dimension. I've got you. All right. Well, listen, um, Stephen, let me ask you this. Yeah. Just speculatively, all right, let's say I'm Newt Gingrich, all right? I'm the Speaker of the U.S. House of Representatives, yeah. and, and I screwed up. I reported something wrong, uh, you know some time ago, years ago, 
and they're all over my case about it. Could I travel back in time and change my report, just change it so that everything looks right and kosher, and then come back to present time, and there'd be no big uh, brouhaha going on. Uh, Democrats wouldn't be uh, clawing at me, uh, trying to destroy me. Uh, everything would be hunky-dory. Uh, could I do that, or would that not work? Uh, you could do that quantumly. Uh, you couldn't do that physically, but quantumly you probably could uh, switch places with your other double and then uh, change it. So it could be done. Yeah, because I have been able to move back quantumly three or four days into Earth's past, no problem. No problem, huh? All right. Uh, and I made an attempt once to change the present. When I got back, I found out everything around me was changed. <laughs> uh, wild card line, you're on the air with Stephen Gibbs. Hi. Hey, Stephen. Hey, Art. How's it going? All right. Right on. Hey, uh, Steve, uh, I was just curious, uh, you know, uh, you think uh, because of this, all this, uh, you could basically be uneducated and come up with ideas that are beyond your norm of principle? Well, I feel I, I get I get a lot of this information from the divine, and uh, uh, in other words, you you think a lot of the the uh, entrepreneurship, the idea for this, the inspiration for it, is from God. Yes. Yeah. Correct. How big is this machine? Oh, uh, well, the box, the, the uh, I'd have to get out there. I mean, just, uh, just give me a rough guess. So. Oh, uh, roughly it would be about uh, six inches, the, the, the unit, uh, not the electromagnetic, the unit is roughly about, I would say, anywhere from five to six inches wide uh, by... Uh, seven or eight inches long, and then something like about uh, two and a half inches high. So no, no problem. It ships UPS. Of course, then there's there's the electromagnet part that comes with it, right? Yeah, yeah. All right, now, how much danger is there that when somebody does this, they would fry themselves? Well, there's not any danger, uh, uh, not that much, or... Uh, uh, Basically, there isn't any danger of getting fried unless you start uh, working with with items that I don't suggest in my uh, in my instruction manual. Okay. Well, I'm glad there's an instruction manual. Um, yeah. Because because uh, one woman I sold the unit to uh, living in New York City who who uh, overloaded her unit with too much energy and she tried using a ruby or something in it. And, uh, uh, what happened? There was some indication that, uh, she bursted into flames. Oh, no, oh, my, oh, really? Yeah, from doing that. And if you step up the energies too damn much, for, for some people, you know, that's, that can be pretty doggone dangerous. And so, you know, I keep Very it at sure. a level that's safe for, uh, human use. I see. All right. Well, that makes sense. All right. East of the Rockies, you're on the air with Stephen Gibbs. Hi. Oh. Hi. Where are you? Uh, East Virginia. All right. Yeah, I have two questions. If you go back to the past, and like if you're at your childhood home, can you um, interact with like your parents and your sisters and brothers oh. and your friends? Oh, that's a that's a really good question. By the way, where is Eastern? You mean Eastern State of Virginia, right? Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, could you do that? Even though you're not supposed to meet yourself, what about going back and seeing mom and dad uh, and sisters and brothers when they were younger? 
boy. Uh, I suppose it could be done, uh, but uh, since you were linked up with them somehow, it might shift. Uh, it might end up shifting you. I don't. I, I seriously don't think you'd run into any problems there. Uh, I think you could go back and visit them. All right. Um, All right. Uh, first time caller line. You're on the air with Stephen Gibbs. Hi. Yes. Uh, yes, Arthur. Yes. Uh, where are you, please? Yes, I am in Northern California. Yes. What is your question? I I want to say that I I do not agree with any of the things that uh, that your guest is saying. Well, that's okay. I I am do have been doing experimentation for some time in the area that you are talking about. Yes. These things that he is talking about, he's using his mind, he's using his electromagnetic, uh, it makes no sense. I, I am doing experimentation with massive gravitational fields where we can emulate or approximate the density which is found in a new, new, neutron star. Excuse me for being somewhat nervous. No, that's all right. You approximate the gravity of a neutron star. Now, uh, excuse me for questioning you, but that would require more energy than I know of that we have on Earth. Well, the, this this is the common thought, but and I am not at the liberty to disclose this. Well, see, there, there's the, there, 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 sir, 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 sir. You contact me privately. And I, I will get you on the air, or um, I will talk to you about this, and, and we'll find out how much you can disclose. Because when you make a claim, see, at least Stephen Gibbs came on here, and he told us exactly how he's doing what he, he's doing. You're coming on here and saying, I can, I can uh, uh, approximate the, uh, uh, the, the gravitational field of a neutron star, which is incredible, but I can't disclose how but, I do but it. But if I were to disclose this, I I would be I would be I don't know how to explain it to you, but it's, I I I would it would change everything about my life. The, the fact that I'm calling you right now and giving you this this information just be, the reason that I have called is I think your your callers are very naive to even think that this man can do anything that that he says that he can do. All right, well, look, that's... And I, and I challenge him to show you, to show you that he can do this right now. Let him go and get one of his devices and let us see, let us see if he can do what he claims he can do. And I will tell you, he is a fraud. Well, you know what, though? Uh, having said that, uh, I think you're in a wrong position to be saying that, uh, Stephen. I knew you were going to take some criticism, and that's fair enough. But here comes a guy with criticism making outrageous claims himself and then saying, uh, oh, but I can't disclose to you how I do it. Uh, so I, I think that we should, uh, you know, perhaps consider the source, uh, and, and, I, and I do in this particular case. That, that was very unfair. Uh, West of the Rockies, you're on the air with Stephen Gibbs. Hello. Hi, Art. This is Fred up in Tacoma. Yes, Fred. Hey, I just have a question about uh, this uh, health thing going back in time yeah. and coming yeah. back. All right. Um, I had a liver transplant. What would happen to me? Good question. Oh, boy. Um, 
I would imagine it would just restructure around your liver transplant then. Um, would it make uh, or should I say, uh, uh, would it regrow the liver? I would imagine so. Um, uh, yeah, I, I would say it would re it, it would rejuvenate everything. Uh, it would replace the uh, liver transplant that you had with another one. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay. Thank, All right, you, thank you very much. Listen, uh, uh, Stephen, we're coming to the top of the hour here. Are you uh, real tired, or can you do one more hour? Uh, I, I'm going to have to let you go pretty soon because it's four o'clock here, and I got to get this. sleep. <laughs> Sleep, sleep. Well, listen, my friend. Thank you, thank you. I appreciate your being here, and we'll do we'll do it again sometime. Okay? Sure. Sounds great. All right, Stephen Gibbs. Thank you, and good night. This is CBC. This is the CBC Radio Network. What oh, is? Good morning, everybody. I'm Art Bell. Great to be here. Stephen Gibbs was, was my guest. Now, look, uh, up on the website, you can still go up and read about Stephen Gibbs if you want to. Strange Magazine uh, did a story about him, and it, it's still there to be read. We put a link in, so go to my webpage at www.artbell.com. And by the way, the entity photographs are still there as well. That's www.artbell.com. Read all about it. Somebody uh, from Pacific Palisades listening to KABC said, Hi, Art. Ask Steve, if I buy one of his infernal machines, can I make time payments? I don't think so. <laughs> I, I don't think so. Or this. How come no one's gone back to, say, 1962 and met the Beatles, then work a deal as a secret partner and supply them with all their songs as required for the particular year as needed? Or did someone do it? Yeah, that's, that's right. In other words, how do you know they didn't? All right, we'll go to open lines in a moment. The news, such as it is, interesting cellular. An unnamed Democrat member of the House took a transcript of an Ely... Well, what happened is somebody intercepted a cellular telephone conversation between Newt Gingrich and the Republican uh, leadership. And they recorded it. Ooh, that's bad. That's bad, 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 and not legal. Then they apparently turned it over to a Democrat member of the House who then turned it over to a couple of big newspapers. The contents of this, allegedly, uh, were Ms. Gingrich uh, reneging the Democrats' claim on his promise to use, or actually not use his power, to strike back against the Ethics Subcommittee. Now, uh, let me tell you, number one, uh, there have been two felonies here, serious ones, um, taping a cellular telephone conversation is a felony. Distributing that tape is a felony. I'm not sure about publicizing uh, such a, um, a tape, or a, uh, actually a transcript of a tape. It may be by then that it's not a felony. I don't know. But it's a pretty awful thing all the way around, and it is another example of why I'm so ticked off about politics these days. It's, it's partisanship over principle. There is no principle anymore. 
It's gone. There is no principle anywhere out there anymore. It's gone, folks. That's that's one of the truth of the of the quickening of the nineties. The late nineties, I might add. It's over. There as far as I'm concerned, principle, morality, um, I don't say they don't exist, but you know, when you look at something like this baloney, which is I think what all the other talk shows are talking about, what's the argument here? It's just plain wrong. <laughs> it's just it's just plain it's a criminal act, period. It's like it's cool, you know, if it's if it's uh going to get us partisan gain, tape it, transcribe it, give it to uh uh, major uh, uh, newspapers in New York and Washington, and just do it. I mean, that's the way it is in the 90s. There is no principle. There's just partisanship. The other big story, Paula Jones and the U.S. Supreme Court and the prayers. Everybody, I think, knows about Paula Jones by now, don't you? You know about Paula Jones. She was, she says, approached by the Prez in a hotel there in Little Rock, uh, and invited to perform, it is alleged, certain acts upon our president. She wants an apology. I noticed on the Sunday shows, which featured a lot about this because the Supreme Court's got it now, that a lot of the journalists who said Paula Jones was a floozy and more, are now recanting, saying it was a cultural bias. That's what I heard over the week. It was a cultural bias. You know, I looked at her with her, quote, big hair, and I thought she was a floozy, something like that. It was a cultural bias, and it was my error, because now it looks like there really is something to her story. Anyway, whether there is or isn't, and I think there is, the big question is whether or not a president should be subject to being sued, like Paula Jones is doing, while he's in office. Now, the justices seemed about split, but it does look to me as though they're going to suggest that maybe the president can be sued while he's in office. Or maybe there'll be a compromise and depositions will be taken. It's not exactly known for sure, but, you know, my first take on this, I must tell you, is that it should not be allowed. Even though I personally believe Paula Jones, while the president is in office, it probably shouldn't be allowed. It's a very narrow call. If the alleged events had occurred while the president was in office, there's no question it certainly should be allowed. But this occurred prior to his taking... I'm really not sure. You know, I say I don't think so, but I have, I'll tell you I have mixed feelings about it. And he's not royalty. He's the president of the United States. And uh, it may be that uh, it should be allowed to go ahead. I, I'm not. I don't know. Then they're talking about the agenda, you know, campaign finance reform, whether or not money ought to go to politicians. Money has been determined by the U.S. Supreme Court here in America to be uh, free speech covered by the First Amendment. In other words, if you want to give money to a politician... You're giving it for a cause, right? Money for a cause equals free speech. So to change that, you would have to change the Constitution. It is, ladies and gentlemen, a horrible winter in the United States. Horrible. I have seen scenes, for example, here where I'm in the desert, the high desert, 
All right? Southern Nevada. I'm eight miles, eight miles from the California border. Do you know what we had today? We had wind followed by very cold rain, followed by a hailstorm, followed by a snowstorm, followed by, at the moment, about 28 degrees or 27 degrees Fahrenheit and falling fast. It may be down to around 23, not off, go out there and look. It's colder than hell. I mean, for here, believe me, it's cold. And this is nothing. In the rest of the country, we're getting flooding, mudslides, snow, ice, blizzards. Europe is gripped in a terrible winter. Greece, I saw, there were thunderstorms in Greece and flooding. I saw scenes of cars floating down the street like so many boats in a row. It was incredible. I think our weather is changing. Now, you're welcome to comment on that if you would like. But I believe that our weather is changing. Call it whatever you want to call it. I think it's changing. All right, we're going to open lines. Listen, one more thing. Ed Dames is in Hawaii. Ed Dames, Cytex, Ed Dames. And I got the following facts today. Art, okay, it's done. A definite date, Thursday, uh, Thursday January 30th at 11 o'clock. Um, so there you are. Ed is going to break a major story on this program. Thursday, January 30th at 11 o'clock. Major Ed Dames. Now, how about those football games this weekend? The Packers. Oh, man, what a game. What a game. What a game. I told you at the beginning of the year I thought the Packers would be in the Super Bowl and they would be in the Super Bowl. Along with New England, I won two bets. It's legal to bet here in Nevada. I won both of them. <laughs> 6.8 earthquake down in Mexico. That's a big one. 6.8. If you uh, uh, follow um, uh, follow a lot of things, why you'll know that typically they move north from there. I would expect an earthquake shortly on the west coast someplace. I got the following, and I don't know what to make of it. Hellbop. It is now becoming visible once again. This is from a private citizen, Fremont uh, Peak in Central California. I know where Fremont Peak is. It was easy art, an easy naked eye object, quite nice. Ten times binoculars, very nice, through 77s. It was just a spot, not a pinpoint, to the naked eye, a little smaller than the moon. It's pretty big. There was a noticeable tail when looking through the binoculars. I could see multiple streams in the tail through the telescope. The tail extended beyond one field of view on my 8-inch F10 W26 millimeter something or another. Note that all this is pre-dawn, through a pre-dawn glow. I'm sure there's more that could be detected. One interesting thing I noticed was the nucleus. It was not a uniform round spot in the coma. It appeared to be elongated in the same direction as the under higher power 200 times, this shape was even more certain to me. 
has anybody else seen this? My first thought was, I wonder if it's split in two. Wouldn't that be a nice sight? Twin comets blazing along together in our March-April skies. Absolutely uh, fascinating. So many people are getting lake effect snow in the uh, north central part of the country that uh, Fred in uh, Buffalo, southeast of Buffalo, said, Hey, Art, when do you think Lake Erie is going to run out of water? With all this darn snow coming down, it ought to be dry by about this time next week. Again, going back to the terrible winter we're having. Listen. I have heard the following. I cannot confirm it. Maybe you can. Telstar 401, at and satellite, leased out to Fox, ABC, and PBS. It seems, or it has been reported or alleged, that on the morning of Sunday, January 12, 1997, transmission from Telstar 401 stopped. Speculation was it was hit by a meteor or space debris. But this is still unconfirmed. NORAD was contacted and has confirmed that Telstar 401 is still in orbit but can no longer receive nor transmit. It is dead. Any speculation or comments? No. No, sir. I had three separate messages on Telstar 401. You guys tell me, can anybody out there confirm that? That would be the first time something of this sort has. I mean, satellites have a certain life, then they die. But if this one was either killed, uh, whether by natural causes or murdered, that would be the first time that something like this has occurred. Very, 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 very interesting. A wild card line, you're on the air. Hello. Hi, Art Bell. Hello. Well, a long time with you. Yes, sir. I'd like to give credit to a man named Tom Pearson in San Antonio, Texas. Uh, he turned me on to you uh, a little over a year and a half ago. Thank you, Tom. I've heard uh, a lot of stuff on your show that I've never seen on television. Uh, heard until later dates. Well, that's what I do here. I do look. I, I I could be like everybody else, but uh, what fun would that be? Yeah. Why? Why do you? I mean, the airwaves are full, and you know, people complain. They say, "Why do you do this stuff?" I do it because I want to do it, because it's fun, and because I think the audience will enjoy it. And if they don't, then anywhere else up and down the dial, they can go find whatever you usually find. You know. The president's a good guy, president's bad guy. Newt Gingrich is a, is, is a saint. He's the devil or whatever. That's everywhere else. Exactly. And uh, I guess that's why we're here, because we're tired of the same old, same old. Yeah. Uh, and eventually, the, the world of radio is going to wake up to that. But if they don't, then tell with them. Oh, this is Mr. Wee in Seattle. Yes, sir. And uh, a couple of quick things. I've been curious on the satellite, uh, uh, telescopes. And uh, I need to get the call letters for uh, Sacramento and uh, Florida, St. Petersburg, Florida. Oh, people are always asking me for this. Um, in Sacramento, it's K-S-T-E. Okay? All right, A-M what? Um, six, 
I'm going to say 650. Uh, I think it's 650. Hold on. See, I've got so many stations now, it's hard to remember all this stuff. Sacramento, yep, 650. And where else? Uh, St. Petersburg, Florida. St. Pe- oh, that's a big one. Uh, WHNZ, 570 on the dial. 10,000 watts in St. Petersburg. Now we ought to be able to hear them in Cuba. Outstanding. All right. Uh, I'm uh, I, uh, trying to be, I guess, an amateur astronomer, and uh, my friends have told me that the Saturn telescopes are supposed to be uh, the quality, uh, and I'm not real familiar with the different types there are. Uh, I'm looking at one that has a hundred, uh, 114 millimeter diameter mirror. Yeah. You know, five by twenty-four viewfinder. Man, I'm not the right guy to. I look. I got a telescope for Christmas, and uh, I'm all the wrong guy to ask because number one, my wife had to put it together for me. Number two, uh, since I got it, there hasn't been one clear day, uh, except clear enough to go out and look at the mountain that's behind me here. Other than that, I haven't even been able to look at it, anything. It's really discouraging. Okay. Well, I'll. Uh continue to listen, and I'm looking for help off, and uh, the quickening is upon us, and I can't even believe you were listening to that guy named Steve earlier. Uh, he doesn't know what UL rating is, but he's making a timely... Uh, no, he knew what it was. Oh, and there were too many... Uh, 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 he, he took a little too long to, to come up with the answers. To well, no, no, you see, you're, you're, you're a little wrong. It's just Steven's personality. It's his persona. It's the way he speaks. Not everybody is a professional speaker. You're talking about an amateur here. I mean, you know, a guy who's just a guy. Uh, and, and that's a, what a lot of people have to understand. I appreciate the call. Same deal with Madman Mark. I mean, a lot of other people I've interviewed. These are not professional speakers. These guys aren't going on the lecture circuit. They don't, uh, you know, they're just guys. But that's why it's so interesting, because they're just guys. I'm Art Bell. Now, here again, Art Bell. Man, I just can't believe it. So many people don't get it. They just don't get it. <laughs> A lot of things I do, I do because they're fun. A lot of guests I have on here, I have on because they're fun. And then again, you never know. And a lot of people just don't get it. I, I, maybe I ought to be grateful for that thing. <laughs> I guess I'll just let everybody else continue to do what they're doing. And uh, you know, I'm reading. I'm, I'm writing right now. I'm in. Uh, I'm in a chat room. All right? On America Online, yes, I'm up in the, the Brassy Knoll again. If you want to join us, come on in. We're on America Online. Uh, go to keyword, enter Art Bell, and when you get there, just uh, click on the Grassy Knoll chat room, and we'll be in there. You'll see us. Uh, they're, they're in there saying, let's see, what kind of things, all kinds of things uh, about Steve. Art, you know he was a wacko. No, I don't know that at all. Uh, it, he's been doing this for years. Maybe he's been a wacko for years, but I don't think so. His manner of speaking was slow. That doesn't mean he doesn't know what he's talking about. And I personally thought he was a fascinating, fascinating interview. And it's, it's the kind of thing that I love to do. And it's the kind of thing a lot of people out there don't get. But what, what the industry is beginning to get is that the ratings, Los Angeles... San Diego, um, 
uh, Portland, uh, uh, Seattle. Um, I could go on and on with the cities. Number one, city after city after city. So even though some of them out there don't get it, apparently enough people do. Uh, incidentally, what I told you about that satellite is right. Here it is, AP from Robert at KQMS. An important communication satellite is out of service. Just as its transfer to another owner is about to occur, Telstar 401 carries material for ABC, Fox, and PBS. Among others, it's been out of operation now for several days. Operators are not sure if they can ever get it back. Most signals have been rerouted, and none of the networks was forced off the air. Wow. Dead. Dead in space. Lost in space, folks. Telstar 401, not lost, really. Dead. Very serious. Very, very serious. My, oh, my. Sure glad it wasn't the satellite I'm on. See, there's Providence for you. Or maybe it was, and Stephen went back and fixed it for me. <laughs> East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi. Hello. Hello. Um, I listen to you, and I fall asleep. Very good program. <laughs> but tonight I woke up, and I hear you talking about electromagnetic force. Yes, uh-huh. Um, Where are you, by the way? I'm in Duluth, Minnesota. Duluth. Oh, it's cold up there, huh? Oh, it is. But there's strange things that happen, and I just kind of wondered if, and I heard about this HARP, yeah. HARP project that the uh, government has. Yeah. And um, some years ago, there were two uh, tugboats here in Duluth that went down in the water, and nobody knew how, they, how that happened. And I started to think about... Uh, Electromagnetic force. I was wondering if our government has some kind of electromagnetic force where, where they can tip things over. And then there was a rash of accidents, like ferry, uh, ferry boats tipping over. Yeah. Uh, trains running into each other. Yep. And now, at, here in two harbors. Let us not forget a lot of airplanes going down, huh? There's a pilot that went down. They don't know why. Yep. Uh, a train just derailed. In the same area, a train just derailed. Like 90 cars went over, yep. and someone was watching. It said that they saw this train coming, and it was going about 40 miles an hour, and came around this curve, and it was loaded with ore. The last boat that was coming to, uh, with ore pellets, was coming to uh, Duluth to, to fill up uh, the last boat that goes out. And um, every car just went right off the track, went top of right over. Well, um, uh, all right, thank you very much for the call. What I would say is, with regard to those various incidents, I can't attribute them to all one thing, or I can't say it's harp, or I can't say it's any single thing. But I can say that events are quickening. And they're strange. And if you think this year is normal, if you think this weather is normal, then I've got a bridge for you. Big one, too cheap. I'm telling you, I think there is a weather, a basic, profound weather change going on. Just my own personal opinion. Okay? West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. Hi, Art. Hello. Yeah, this is Martin from Oceanside. How you doing? And, um, yeah, I saw my first ever what would be called meteorite last Thursday. Um, I was on a Greyhound bus coming from San Diego to Oceanside, and I was astounded. I saw it over... 
around La Jolla, uh, that area, and it was, um, I'd seen a lot of shooting stars. That was a meteorite and was uh, burning up, breaking up, and I, I just jumped in the seat right there. Okay, when was this? This was last Thursday, I believe it was, around 10.10. I looked at my watch, huh. and um, it was pretty, pretty incredible. And um, another thing, you were talking about the time and space warps and stuff. Yes. And um, they had something about UFOs on Discovery Channel, and they had... Um, They've been doing a whole series. Yeah, and they had an example of a signal that was sent in World War II um, to the Queen Mary ship. Right. And its signal is the same as the present Queen Elizabeth II ship. And 50 years, what is it, 50 years after World War II, the Queen Elizabeth II picked up that signal and they realized it was sent in World War II. Figure that out. It's been bouncing around in space. Uh, yeah, this is a, you know what, I should not be surprised at Telstar 401 uh, going down. I shouldn't be surprised. Uh, it could have been a lot of things. There is a lot of space debris up there, and frankly, it's surprising something hasn't been murdered before. That'd be weird. I'm on a KU band uh, satellite. I think it's GE1. We're on GE1 now. And any second, something could come along and go slicing through GE1 like a hot, hot knife through butter, and I'd be gone. That would be it. So I'm, I'm dependent on GE1. I'm dependent on uh, C5, two satellites. And if either one of them uh, encountered something in space at any moment that shouldn't be there, there's enough kinetic energy to turn either one of those into space dust. You follow me? East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi. Burlington, Vermont, calling Art. Hi. I don't know if you've uh, discussed this or not. I haven't been listening all that much. But the Com Air flight into Detroit, did you hear the, uh, one of the explanations? Well, uh, what I heard was that they believe the right engine um, became uncontrollable of... Uh, and all of the controls in the aircraft were in the off position, trying to get that engine turned off. Uh, that's all they, they know that I had heard. Yeah, I heard, you know, not that detail, but they said when it leveled off to 4,000 feet on approach, an event took place. Yeah. With no further explanation. That, that, that's right. And uh, all they found was every control that would have turned that right engine off to be in the off position. In other words, a pilot, in I think he had 38 seconds, tried desperately to get that engine turned off. Couldn't do it. Uh, so, in event, we'll find out, or not. Thanks, Art. You're welcome, sir. Take care. First time caller line, you're on the air. Hi. Yeah, hi, Art. Hi. Yeah, hi, this is uh, Sid from Santa Rosa. Uh, hello, Sid. And I just managed to turn my radio off. Um, I uh, I wanted to call and talk to you about a, a couple things. Uh, first, I wanted to talk to you about time travel. Sure. And, and the thing that I found unusual, and it's not that uh, he wasn't well-spoken or, or, or that he didn't seem sincere in his beliefs, um, maybe I'm going out on a limb uh, in saying you find it a fascinating interview, but I think in, in your heart of heart, you probably would have to see a little bit more proof before you go along with the program. Oh, I, look, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I didn't say that I embraced it, believed it. Uh-huh. I never said that. Well, yeah, no, I understand that. I said it was a fun 
fascinating interview. Oh, absolutely. I thought so, too. Um, you see, so there's a big difference. Um, now, would I like to have one of those machines and give it a shot? You betcha. Yeah. Well, I, mean, I thought just from the standpoint when he talked about the woman who burned up, um, well, it probably would have caused him a little bit of trouble, and I doubt that he had a good product liability policy, if you understand what I'm saying. I do. I mean, I, I, I brought up the UL approval thing myself. Yeah. And Look, I what I try to do is I try to interview people on subjects that other people won't touch, and I'm going to keep doing it. Oh, no, and I agree, and, you know, and, I, and, and I enjoy it as much as anybody. Um, one of the uh, other things I wanted but, to well, well, Wait a minute. People yeah. should be very, very careful. I think that because I do interviews in which I don't rip people apart, that's not my business. Right. You know, I, I let the audience decide about that. And because I don't rip people apart, uh, which, by the way, means that a lot of people won't come on, they interpret that as agreement with uh, or belief in whatever topic I happen to be talking about. Now, you know me, I'll talk about anything under the sun. That's just not true. I do an interview and try to help the person I'm interviewing do the best job they can do. Oh, yeah, and, and in fact, I think that, that a lot of your listeners can, can, really, can really pick up the atmosphere within the, uh, which the interview is being held and, and can get a sense for how you feel about it. And you don't have to go at the person and, and question them and belittle them and, and uh, I'm not saying you do anything like that at all. No, but, the audience but, can make their own judgment. Sure. I, I wanted to ask you one other thing, and, and that is, do, do you have a, a, a subscription to Skeptical Inquirer? Um, you know, I think I might. You know why? Because Skeptical Inquirer called me and interviewed me, and I'm going to be in, uh, I'm going to be in that magazine. Well, that's neat. Cause I, what I was going to say was if you didn't, and, and you know, and let me tell you, well, since you brought it up, that's the exact topic that we talked about. Skept Skeptical Inquirer came to me and basically said, why don't you go after these people? Why don't you rip them up? Why don't you, why don't you make them demand proof? Do this, do that. I said, no, that isn't what I do. And that they were flabbergasted. It was like they didn't know what to say. I said, look, I let these people tell their story. And so I don't know how the article will come out. They'll probably come after me. I don't care. You know what I would really enjoy is to see you get somebody from Skeptical Inquirer on your show. Would love to. And um, I, the thing I was going to say is if you if you didn't have a subscription, um, I, I would like to give you one as a gift because as as much as I enjoy your show, this is <laughs> the pendulum swinging completely to the other side, and I think you get a real kick out of the magazine. Oh, look, I'd love to do it. I'd love to have somebody like that on. No, no question about it. Okay, th thank you much, Art. All right, take care. But look, when... Hey, Look, there are different categories of guests, folks. When you interview somebody like um, my guest tonight, uh, who is not a pro, as I said, he's not on a lecture circuit. He's not a professional speaker. A lot of times that's the only difference between the way a lot of people in the audience will regard somebody, since they're used to listening to the slick media, uh, between the way they'll regard them as credible or a fruitcake nutcase type is the presentation, the articulation of the guest. Well, you know what? A lot of people who have invented things that have been as real as a heart attack and have changed the world have not been particularly um, articulate uh, in, the, in, in the spoken language. Do you understand that? 
And just because somebody does not come across as a polished speaker doesn't mean that they might not uh, be their own sort of a, um, a quiet a, a brilliance, have their own sort of quiet brilliance, and you just can't necessarily figure that out based on whether or not somebody is a, a very polished speaker. And if you want to know the truth, a lot of times I enjoy interviewing the very common type people, like this man or like that man or like... I, I could name many others that I've interviewed in that category. And I will continue to do so. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello, Art. Mike from Nashville. Hi. Art, you been following this on the cocaine tobacco mummies? Cocaine tobacco mummies? Yes, sir. They had an interesting uh, article on Discovery Channel last night about it. Uh, this woman scientist, and I don't recall her name, and uh, she's a forensic scientist, and she's also uh, into archaeology, and she has discovered that some of the mummies that she's uncovered uh, have got their bodies uh, full of cocaine and tobacco. Really? These uh, these products were not known in the old world. They come from the Americas. How in the world did that... Uh, of course, scientific community and uh, the archaeological field and all that did not accept her findings. And she did more extensive tests. She used one forensic test. Look, usually when a scientist comes out with a finding like that, that uh, disputes what you know a lot of regular science uh, says, they get their careers ruined. Well, she published a paper on it, and then that's when everybody come in on her. Jumped know? on her, yeah. And uh, so she went and did one extra test on it where they take the hair, uh, a hair, the hair follicle, and they do a certain test. They wash it with alcohol and everything. They analyze the alcohol solution. And if there's no cocaine in that alcohol solution and they find it in the hair follicle itself, then, they had, then the substance had to be there at the time of death or before death. And what this does to the, huh. the, the Egyptian uh, uh, culture and everything is it proves that Egypt might not have been the center of civilization, as they all believe, and everything founded on in that country. And in further research with some other collaborators on this, they found pineapples uh, on the carvings in China and certain places, which they came from the Americas, and other things that came from, from the Western world. And uh, these things go back like 5,000 years now. Mm. What I thought was interesting about this, there are a lot of things that are coming to the surface now, and it involves hail bop, what's going on in Egypt over there, in Jerusalem and everything. And this could only lead to one thing, that there were either trade routes established back way before Columbus's time between this part of the world and the old world. And, uh, you know, the, the step pyramids that are in South America and all, they might have been learned by the Egyptians from there or vice versa. And there's some interconnectedness there. And I just wondered if maybe this might not be some of the things that Ed Dames is going to disclose when he's down in the South Pacific. Well, now that is speculation, sir. That's, that, that is speculation, but it would sure be a good thing <laughs> well, to focus on. We're going to find out on the 30th. I'm i, I got to be honest with you. I'm dying to know what he's going to say, too. Thank you uh, very much. Tired of missing talk shows? Hmm? Well, you don't have to miss them anymore if you have real talk. A lot of people sell real talk. Think Rush was selling. I, I don't know if he still does or not. When he did or if he does, it's one forty four ninety five. And Real Talk is an AM-FM radio with a quarter-speed tape deck built in. 
It operates on batteries, or you can plug it into the wall. That means that means you can record something at home, then take it in your car, your truck, or whatever. Listen. It's a great deal. It's got timed recording, which means you can uh, set it to come on at a certain time and go off. Ten memory presets, built-in microphone, built-in headphone jack. It's quite a piece of gear for $144.95, but don't buy it from anybody else because we've got a better deal. We'll include shipping and handling, plus we'll include one free 90-minute tape. That is a good deal. That's better than anybody else's deal. Real talk. The talk radio person's necessity. Call Bob Crane to get one in the morning, and the number is 1-800-522-8863. That's 1-800-522-8863. The C. Crane Company. Are you making too many trips to the bathroom? If you are, you're not alone. These days, millions of men are suffering from enlarged prostate symptoms like frequent trips to the bathroom and diminished libido. Well, we'd like to tell you about Dr. Michael Toplinski's super prostate formula for an enlarged prostate. Dr. Toplinski is a medical doctor who's developed the formula for his patients, and he's been using it in his practice for years. The result's astounding. It contains about every known natural ingredient that's been clinically proven to reduce the size of the prostate and thus relieve symptoms. This formula, made by Physician's Choice, can definitely help those men suffering from an enlarged prostate. Therefore, I want you to take advantage of the offer. Two bottles, get the third free. That's a three-month supply for the price of two. Call toll-free 1-800-249-6060. Not available in stores, guaranteed to work or your money back. You've got nothing to lose but those symptoms. So call 1-800-249-6060. Again, 1-800-249-6060. Okie dokie, back we go east of the Rockies. You're on the air. Hi. Hi. Um, do you have the zip code on that Nebraska, uh, Clearwater, Nebraska? Oh, you would ask me for that right now, and I got paper all over my room. Yeah, well, you could take your time. I could? Yeah, I'll just hang up the phone, and if you find it, uh, you, was there a price on that catalog? Uh, I think he said a buck or something. Yeah, okay, well, uh, I'll just hang up my phone, listen to the radio, and when you get the number. Where are you? Um, I'm in Oklahoma. Oklahoma. All right, well, I'll see what I can do. All right, thank you. All right, thank you. I had it, uh, but, you know, I got about a million faxes. That's another thing. You should have seen the fax machine. And I have faxes all over my room. Oh, well, I'll see what I can do. Uh, Wildcard Line, you're on the air. Hi. Oh, hi. I'm Bill. Derek in New Mexico. Okay, extinguish thy radio, please. I did, yeah. That's good. Uh, a couple of months ago, I called you before the show, and uh, we talked about me sending you some audio tapes featuring Michael Wolf being interviewed by Chuck Harder. Did you get these? I sent them uh, registered and certified. Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, uh, Michael Wolf. Yeah, he's a fascinating guy. Uh, he's a uh, hard factual guy, sort of like Bob Lazar. That's not a channeling kind of person. Yeah. And he worked... Uh, for the government, he was in Area 51, Area S4. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Did you listen to the tapes? Yes, I did. Okay, well, he was so popular on the Chuck Harder show that uh, they asked him to come back, and he did like a week later. Now, I have tapes of that interview by Chuck Harder also. Uh, I can send it to you in a week or so. Well, uh, if you have a contact uh, number for this fellow, that, that would be of more use to me. Well, 
Yeah, I don't, but uh, don't you have uh, access to Chuck Harder? In other words, uh, well, you're all sure I have yeah, access to Yeah, because he's a good friend of Chuck Harder, and Chuck Harder in the view of the morning. Well, I suppose I could call the Chuckster up and ask for the number. Yeah, but I think he's a fascinating guy, and uh, I hope you agree. All right, well, you know me. I'll, I'll, uh, hey, I'll interview anybody who's interested, one way or the other. Anybody. <laughs> I mean, why limit our universe, huh? It's strange out there, and strange is fun, and that's me. I'm Art Bell, and this is the American CBC Network. The Food and Drug Administration wants to take the popular allergy medicine, Seldane, off the market because of its potentially deadly side effects. Seldane can cause problems with liver disease or cause problems with patients taking certain antifungal agents or antibiotics. FDA spokesman Dr. Robert Temple says a new drug called Allegra provides all of the benefits of Seldane, but without any of the risks when mixed with other medications. The question no longer became, should Seldane be available along with Claritin and along with the others? It's, should you continue to market Seldane when you can get 100% of the benefit from taking its active metabolite and reduce the risk to zero? This is the CBC Radio Network. We are the ones. Good morning, everybody. Great to be here. I'm Art Bell. Anybody else out there want to talk about time travel? Where would you go? What would you do? <laughs> when those diodes begin to expand your soul and the zero vector kicked in, when the magnet was square over your belly and you began to vaporize into a different year, where would you go and what would you do? Hmm? That requires a little bit of thought. You getting sick of the uh, O.J. Simpson business? Me too. Boy, man, that's back in the news again, big time. Third story. Every day, O.J. Simpson. I'm sick of looking at his shoes. I don't even know anymore if I care whether they were his shoes or not. Fake photograph, real photograph. The whole thing. And I was one of those riveted to the O.J. Simpson trial. But I'm really sick of it. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. Oh, let me kill my radio. Audience. Kill your radio. Yes. Yeah, I'm out driving on a cell phone, so I hope I can hang on. Um, I've been trying to get a hold of you. And yes. you and Ramona got into the Wormwood um, discussion with the Bible. That's a long time ago now. Yeah, I know. Um, off and on at night, I try when I drive. But um, some food for facts on that, or just to contemplate about, if you think about the description... Yes. That wormwood, they talk about wormwood, and then you take that over, and did you know that the word Chernobyl translated as wormwood? Yes, I did. I think that is fascinating. Another thing that I wanted to comment on... Um, did you know that the uh, sarcophagus surrounding uh, uh, surrounding Chernobyl is uh, cracking and breaking and crumbling? Doesn't and did you know that there are some who think there could be a, uh, an explosion? Uh, I think there's a lot of things you don't know that that is that is going to be taking place in this next coming year. You got it. This is going to be a happening year. One other thing, real quick, Pam and her her reptilian lovers and stuff. Yep. Well, there's a couple of things that that I find interesting, and um, one of those is as I was listening to you, and I've been listening to some tapes from this um, guy called Chuck Nissler, who goes into he's a Bible scholar, but he goes along with a lot of the stuff like what Hogan and of them. Um, talk about yep. and um, a lot of the old Hebrew texts that, 
it's never been translated quite correctly in the English language, but um, I was listening to that, and there were some tapes that he had on Mars and the Nephilim, and think about this and, and, and go back to the encounter that Pam had with the reptilian, but remember the movie Rosemary's Baby? Oh, yeah. I believe that was a prophetic movie about the birth of the Antichrist. And if you take the timetable when that was... Well, written, I mean, they didn't call Rosemary's Lizard. <laughs> I don't know. But think All about right. it. Well, listen, i got to go. Thank you. Um, you know, Pamela called me uh, about a week ago, and she's had another encounter, which she um, described as satisfying but non-sexual. I didn't press for details, but that's what she said. West of the Rockies, uh, make that the wild card line. You're on the air. Hi. Hi. How are you? Well, uh, pretty good. I'm in Portland, Oregon. All right. And one thing I just thought about the other day when I thought about you is that we had the Hal's birthday yesterday. Um, Hal 2000. Yes, that's right. And that was kind of interesting. I knew that. Uh, that's right. Uh, Hal's birthday was yesterday, and uh, unfortunately I was not on the air, so I very belated uh, happy birthday to Hal. Well, you know, they're just uh, one step ahead of IBM anyway. <laughs> <laughs> on a different note, so I um, had heard of this, uh, there's this veterinary doctor. Yes. That he's been studying um, to be, he studied actually and became a human doctor, if you will. And he's got uh, some interesting things to say about how the medical profession tries to hold back the nutrition game instead of um, so that we can take um, expensive treatments yes. instead of just having nutrition. Yes. Heaven forbid, nutrition should keep people healthy and have doctor's offices. What would they do? Well, he said there should, you know... Um, use the same kind of stuff we use on veterinary science to, to cure people because if they had to do the same thing for the animal, we'd never have any food. I see. All right. Well, thank you. I've been told there are a lot of people who use vet veterinary uh, medicine for human condition. I'm not sure it's a really good idea. I mean, uh, the dosage, for example, for an elephant would have to be carefully computed for a human. And if you didn't do that, why... No. Use your own imagination on that one. First time caller line, you're on the air. Hi. Well, I think we just missed him. So sorry. Wild card line, you're on the air. Hi, Art. This is Terry from Washington. How you doing? Oh, okay. Um, along the lines of the movie The Langoliers. Yes. Um, if you applied that to what Steve was talking about, tonight, that, that was such a great movie. I love The Langoliers. I watched it twice. I know, but it wouldn't work for time travel because everything would get gobbled up in the past so you wouldn't be able to go back there and there would be nothing in the future yet. Well, I wasn't suggesting the same thing that Stephen was talking about. I just thought the movie as a movie, particularly before the Langoliers showed up, you know, the, the munching on things, it was so suspenseful and I had no idea where it was going. It was really Oh, good. I know. I recorded the movie. Oh, so did I. It was great. But the other thing, though, too, is that when... Um, who was the guy who was talking about the rods? 
I'm sorry, his name won't come to me. Um, uh, oh, Jose Escamilla. Anyways, when that show was on, yeah. you know, and that when you interviewed him, right. the first thing that I thought of was the movie The Langoliers. Really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because of the way he described the rods, that was the first thing that popped into my mind. Was See, that too I thought was a cool show. I mean, everybody, you know, what I do, I bring things that are so different here that when people hear them, they say, you're crazy. But then later, these turn out to be classic shows, the most requested. Oh, I know. The most, um, it, it's the damnedest thing, the, the, the audience reaction sometimes. But then Steve was also talking about his little handheld model that he was going to make. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, but that, well, that was brings, untested. What brings to mind on that is, have you seen the show Sliders? Uh, no. Oh, well, you got to check that out because these guys have this, like, handheld thing that they push a button and it slides them into a different dimension. Ah. So, <laughs> but I, you know, the things that you were talking about, I'm going, God, I've seen all that stuff on TV. But <laughs> there, there you are. Uh, all right. Thank you very much for the call. Handheld would be me. Being able to go... You know, I, I did ask him the question. I mean, why not? If you know, if you're in trouble in time, and why not just you know a few months into the future, a look at a few stocks, a couple of quick trades, boom, return. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi. Hello there. Hi, Art. Yes, that's me. All right. <clears throat> Boy, I got you so quick. I just turned my radio down. Well, if you're disappointed, sir, I'd be glad to put you on hold and take a couple other calls. No, I'm ready. I'm in Southern California. Go ahead. Uh, first of all, I'd like to uh, talk a little bit about, you know, Area 51. And uh, have you read the book by, uh, it was put out by Ben Rich, and it's called Skunk Works, you know. Yes, I have. Lockheed Program. Yes, I have. Yeah, well, I worked in the skunk works for a while, and, you know, I was supposed to go out to Area 51, but I did it go. They sent somebody else. But Tell us what you know, all your secrets. What did you do at the skunk works? Well, I worked on some of the airplanes they built. The, what what kind of airplanes? The stealth fighter. Stealth fighter? Mm hmm And what exactly did you do for the stealth? Well, I can't tell you that. <laughs> Come on, sir. Violate something for us here on the air. No, I... Just to say, I was part of the assembly team. The assembly team, all right. Mm -hmm. And that's about five thousand people. So, uh -huh. but and what I was going to say, you know, the thing that gets me about these, uh, you know, if we ever talk one on one, we could, I could probably share some things with you sometime. You but, could, you could violate. Well, I don't know. I mean, since Ben wrote that book, you know, there's a lot of stuff in there, so they never tell you how much you can talk about. No, so. They don't? You mean you don't have to sign an agreement? Oh, I do, but once it's declassified, I mean, you know, the, you know there's, you know, so. It's, uh, you know, they'll never find me anyway, hopefully, unless somebody's tapping my line. <laughs> so uh, you put part S-47 into which assembly? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> sure, thank you. <laughs> uh, Area 51. It's real, you know. Very, very real. Area 51 is uh, just on over the hill here. Wildcard Line, you're on the air. Good morning. Good morning, Art. I have a question for you with respect to time travel. All right. 
I called you last week. You probably remember I was the blind guy from Portland. I oh, yes, yes, yes. crushed my face on motorcycle, right? Yes, sir, I recall. Now, supposing I could go back to China and perhaps we could have somehow um, prevented the guy from turning in front of me, what would happen to the blind David now? Well, according to Stephen Gibbs, the blind David would not be blind. He would not be blind. Not according to Stephen. Wow. Now, would I, would I come back? I mean, well, also, when I went back in the time, would I be blind? Well, that's... I mean, I, that's, you go as you are. You know, that's one I can't answer. Oh, uh, I'm sorry I don't have Stephen here to answer that. Um, gosh, is there a way that maybe you could, I could give you my number off there? Could you... Uh, and I didn't get... get I'm the only time. one here. There's no way I can, uh, you know, unless you catch me before or after the program. Okay. So I, I can't answer Because I'd that. like to get his catalog. I understand. Okay. Worth a shot. <laughs> well... I, I guess that's the way to go, is to get his catalog. And I, I've been rummaging here, looking for the pay. I've got about a million papers all over the place. I okay. can't find them. I didn't address. hear him uh, say anything on, the, on your talk show tonight. Yeah. All right. Know. Well, I'll see what I can do. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Uh, I, I did. I looked through so much stuff here, and I know it's here. I'm just not sure where. The other very, very interesting thing was that his device begins with a 7.8 hertz frequency which is, as a matter of fact, a frequency that is thought to be uh, the frequency in which the brain operates. Substitute word soul, whatever you want. The brain, the soul, the id, the whatever it is that we are, the energy we are, resonates at that frequency. And that's where he begins. He was very interesting. Wildcard line, you're on the air. Hello. Hi, I had a great interview tonight. This is Dan from New District. Hi, Dan. I thought it was fun. Oh, golly. You know, I'm going I'm to get that catalog. I mean, even if it doesn't work, he was still a great guy to listen to. I know. How often do you get a time machine catalog? Whether or not you get the machine, how many time machine catalogs? I mean, I get a lot of catalogs at my house, right? Computer companies? Yeah. Um, <laughs> my wife gets Victoria's Secret, and we got a bunch of other catalogs come to the house. But... I've never had a time machine catalog come to the house. Never. Well, maybe Seacrane can start carrying it if it's a good product. Now, tell me, would that be something to have on your coffee table or what? Hey, man. You I'm know, you. the Gibbs time machine catalog. <laughs> hey, i got something to share with you. Go. Um, besides hoping that you get this guy back on again, which I'm sure you will, uh, so we can keep up with him. And also, Stan Bale, I'd love to hear, hear him again. Stan's coming to Nevada. Oh, good. And also... Uh, I got that information packet from Mark McCandlish, and it's it's super. Oh, I know. And, uh, boy, if you could get him on again, that'd be great, because he's got a lot of stuff left to tell you that he didn't have time for. I'll get time. Mark back on. Yeah. All right, my friend. I'll, yeah, I'll get Mark McCandlish back on. Sure. You betcha. He uh, is a riveting guest as well. 7.8 hertz. Um, by the way... I want to thank all the hams out there. There are a number of short wave frequencies right now that have signals on them that are completely wrong. And when I say wrong, I mean there there are signals at strengths uh, with types of modulation that I've never heard, and that includes a lot of other hams. And I'm going to try to get those frequencies for you. There's some odd things going on out there right now, and I'm not necessarily saying 
I, I, I want to be very careful what I'm saying here. I'm not saying that um, these are ET signals or anything. I'm just saying there are a lot of a medium wave, 5 to 9 megahertz signals that are not easily explained, okay? East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi. Morning, Art. This Hello. This is Michael from Kansas City. Yes. Uh, I was calling in regard to the uh, gentleman from, where was it, Portland? The one who wanted to go back and get his eyesight back? Yes. The answer would be if he was to go back, yeah. he would uh, do whatever it was he would do that was necessary to prevent the accident from happening. Yeah, but how would he do? His question was, right. when he was there, would he have sight? When he was there, no. Well, then how would he be able to negotiate his way around to prevent the accident? Well, then he would need help. But once he did prevent it, then it would be regained. Okay, well, his real question was whether he would have sight immediately upon arriving. No, it has and to I, be I, I couldn't answer that. It has to be fixed first, then he'd get it. How can you know that? Oh, just, oh, mathematical probabilities, theories, reading books for a lifetime. Uh, I got a degree in physics, and it's always, temporal dynamics has always been a hobby of mine. Really? What did, my personal theory, anyway. What did you think of Stephen uh, Gibbs? God, I'd want one of those. <laughs> All right. Sir. I, I really would. I appreciate the call. Thank you. Uh, west of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hey, Art, this is Curtis from San Diego. Hello, Curtis. How you doing? Uh, very well. Uh, well, I talked to you about that man you had on, and I've heard you. It's not that I don't think I got what he was saying or that I, I, I've heard a lot of your guests before and some are know how to speak well and some don't and I just didn't agree with him at all. I just had a hunch about him that he's just not telling the truth. I think he's making it up. Uh maybe he was. Right. So Who we knows? all we all have that. We could all do that if we want, whatever. Uh I had a Let me hear you do it. Well, I uh I'm a time traveler art. <laughs> Where are you from? Uh I can't do it. I can't lie very good. See, you but can't do it. I was going to You can't do it, so... Well, all right. Fine, sir. I, I rest my case. I was going to ask you about... I, I have a hunch about something about the Roswell. I mean, you said I could do that, so I said go ahead. And anyway, what do you want to ask about Roswell? Okay, Roswell. The the uh, UFO was crashed, and, and the government took it. And that's been like 40, 50 years ago now. And what I believe... There's I a, have new, a hunch about, new book coming out. Yeah, I heard about that. It's called The Day After Roswell. supposed to blow the, the, the lid off the whole thing. Well, if the government, the federal government, as much money as we put into it, has had it for 50 years, just that UFO amongst others all over the world, they've got to have figured out how it flies, what it's made of. And I think why they're keeping it from the public is because if we knew the simple formula of making a UFO, I know everybody that. would have one. I know that formula, sir. Yeah. Yeah. We would all have them, and that would be too much power for us to have. I know that formula. I could tell you that formula. Could you? Yep. What, what's it made of? I'd have to kill you. <laughs> do you understand what I'm saying, though? That, that I, I do, sir, but I think I proved my point well. I'll be right back. This is the American CBC Radio Network. Stay put. <laughs> Now, here again, Art Bell. I'd like to meet the idiot who invented childproof lighters. You know what? First time caller line, you're on the air. Hi. 
Good morning. How are you doing, Art? I'm doing very well, sir. Where are you? I am present. All right. Uh, been listening to you about three days now. I have one word intrigued. I like what you do. You've been listening for three days? Three or four days now, yeah. Wow, that's not long. No, not at all. I like what you do, though. Um, I just want to talk about like the weather changes that you're talking about. All right. I, I feel it's more than just weather. It's somewhat solar. It's what? It's just the whole solar system. Everything is changing. Changing? Yes. Uh, it may be that um, you know the expanding universe theory, right? Yes, I've heard of that a little bit. You know, it may be like the Roadrunner. You know, you've seen Roadrunner cartoons where they're in an elastic band. They just go way out there, and then they sort of pause for a second, and they start coming back. Maybe we're just slightly past the pause, and we're on our way back, and everything is reversing. And everything's going backwards? Yeah. I don't know. I don't understand that. I think that it's more oh, like man. things get closer and closer to the sun, and we just move to another planet. What are we doing? We're trying to go to Mars. Yep. You know, and and think about the Atlanteans and stuff like that. Well, if we keep up the way we're going, Mars' atmosphere is going to look hospitable. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Without a doubt, we won't be able to live this much longer. It'll be too hot. Uh -huh. Well, I appreciate your thoughts, or it could well be, or my uh, contracting universe theory could be correct as well. Or none of it could be true, and it could be all millennium madness. But I rather doubt that uh, now, and I rather embrace the fact that something real is going on. But that's just me. East of the Rock and a lot of other people. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi. Good morning, Art. Good morning. I've been saving up two subjects for a while. First, uh, Mr. Markham and his machine. Uh, you remember when he was talking about the part where he had one mach little machine where he threw the screw through it? And yep. it disappeared. I do, And yes. it reappeared. Well, for me, that meant that that uh, the screw went into time, and then when it reappeared was when our time caught up to where it was in time. That could have been. All right. Now, uh, he's afraid to go through this thing. Well, we were messing with some uh, would be true. fiber optic bundles that were, gee, a good half-inch square, and uh, uh, three or four foot long we had picked up at a show. But we could actually get optical pictures through this thing. Why don't you think about some kind of a fiber optic bundle to poke through there with video equipment on this end to see where it went? Well, uh, it's an idea, but... This was David's life, anyway. Now, hold, hold tight for a minute. Oh. It was his view that the gigantic electrical magnetic field yeah. that would be created, people said things like, get a long stick and put a video recorder and stick it through. Well, that would be metal. Uh, well, a fiber optic line, though, uh, would be disrupted by the same field. You figure? Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, it's, a, it's a, as good a suggestion as any. Yeah. Now, the second thing there, uh, Whitley Strieber, when he was on the Greenland there a week or so ago. Yes. One of the things he said was one of the viewers said that uh, Hail Mary broke away from uh, Hail Bob, and uh, that's all he said. Well, about three or four weeks ago, I had, like, a little premonition of this. I think I sent you a fax that I thought this thing was going to break away and go in uh, Earth orbit around the sun in our orbit, only be 180 degrees from us, so we'd never see it on the other side of the sun. Anything is possible. It may be possible that in another dimension right now, they're watching X-Files and all the rest of this sort of stuff being delivered by, guess what, Telstar 401. Wildcard Line, you're on the air. Good morning, Art. I'm morning. calling from uh, Joshua Tree, California. Yes, sir. And I have a suggestion. Why not make the same offer to uh, Stephen uh, Gibbons that you made to Mad Markham? 
that if he's willing to demonstrate his technology to see whether or not it works, that you'll film it. I don't need to. He's All I'd need to do, if I really wanted to do it, would be to send away to get a catalog or get one of the machines and give it a shot. Yeah, that's true. Right? Right. Uh, it's a little different with Madman because he's got a gigantic machine in a warehouse. There'd be no other way other than to, you know, fly out there and film the thing. Mm-hmm. But I just thought maybe... Uh, before buying it, that you'd want to see whether it works or not. Well, if I was just suddenly gone one day, I mean gone, mm-hmm. disappeared, poof, what would you guys think? Well, that it works. <laughs> so either way, you can either uh, uh, buy the machine and try it yourself or have them demonstrate it. And then, uh, Frankly, I don't think anybody's really going to much get by one anyway. He, he said he had... Three in stock. I asked him how long it took. It took quite a while to make one. So, based on the number of listeners, you never he can make one a day if he works real hard at it because it takes him nine to twelve hours to make one. That's what he said. So, so he can make one every day. Yeah, but but he's got three in stock, sir. Yeah, so he'll oh. probably get five thousand orders, <laughs> like a book. <laughs> anyway, I thought he was a quite uh, quite an interesting guest. Yeah, so did I. Thank you very much for the call. You bet. Take care. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. Good morning, Art. Good morning. Do you know what Steve Gibbs' interview does to somebody that has always listened to uh, uh, anything to do with time travel, watched any time travel movies, has always been fascinated with it? What does it do? It makes me want to go get $360 and jump in the car and drive to Nebraska tomorrow. Uh, uh, <laughs> fascinating. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, I know, I know. Riveting, and I thought the man sounded so genuine. He was not a readied speaker. I know, that's what I tell everybody, and there are so many people out there. I think they're, you know what they are? They're little media dupes, and if they don't hear somebody who sounds polished like a real downtown speaker, you know, with a real spiel, then they don't believe a word they hear. Uh, And that, that tells you how, I guess they've become just too media savvy. If it doesn't sound like it would uh, wash on uh, Meet the Press on Sunday, why, it's just not believable. If it's a regular person, it can't be believable. Well, I've got a friend, Kevin, from Bailey, Colorado, and as soon as he gets back to town, I know he's listening. He needs to call me so we can get together and talk about this thing and and possibly go get a machine. We're not that far from where he lives here in uh, Denver, so <laughs> I, it's just fascinating. I don't, I don't want my audience to begin disappearing in droves here. <laughs> And, and by the way, if you are going to travel, folks, at least make it in the last 13 years. You know, you can join the show a few years ago. <laughs> it was an excellent show. All right. Well, th- thank you very much. I really do enjoy the whole subject and always have of time travel. And I do believe, whether it's Stephen Gibbs, Madman, or somebody like him, or somebody else out there that I've not yet spoken with nor interviewed, that one day uh, it will be possible. If it's not this day, then one day. First time caller line, you're on the air. Hello. Hey, Hart. Hey, Hi, sir. This is Fred in Northern Idaho up in the Panhandle. Yes, sir. How are you tonight? I am fine. Um, man, are you hard to get a hold of. <laughs> well, I've you... heard that so many times with so many people. Um, I've been keeping a list. I've been uh, listening to you for about a month. A good friend of mine told me about you, and I've got four things, if I might. All right. Okay. 
number one is uh, the movie Independence Day. Oh, yes. Okay, have, have you ever looked at the publicity that was put out on that? Well, sure. When it, I... when it started back last year about this time? Sure. Yeah. Have you ever looked at the theme of the movie, what it's all about? Uh, yes, I've got a copy of the script. Yeah. I've got the movie, I've got a copy of the script, sure. Yeah. Why, why do you ask? Well, um, the theme is the one world government, is it not? In the end. Well. That's just a thought. Yeah, it is. Well, no, it really isn't. It's uh, a one world cause, but if you watch and listen very carefully, um, Washington instructed the other nations on how to destroy the craft. Right. Uh, there was no one-world uh, formation of. Uh, there was a one-world effort, not a one-world government. Right. That's the way I remember it anyway. Yeah, but at the end, what happened? Uh, at, <laughs> at the end. Uh, oh, oh well, it's just it's just food for thought. I scratched my head. I thought about that, and I watched it again. I watched it again. Of course, I had to buy a copy of it, right? I I thought the end was dumb. I didn't like the end. I didn't like the end. Either. I thought. That the I, aliens, I like to look on the alien face when that rocket was flying. Out. I thought the aliens. I thought the aliens should have won. You think so? Yeah. I mean, like Green Bay. Yeah, they were pretty pretty advanced. Huh? The aliens should have kicked our butts, and we should have lost. Uh, then it would have been, you know, be, the one cool thing about that movie. I know this doesn't. You, you may not hear this said elsewhere, but the aliens didn't want to make a deal. No, not at all. They didn't want um, any of our stuff. No. Nope. Uh, they didn't want to use us or eat us. They no. just wanted us to die. Die. That's right. It, that part gone. of it was great. Yeah. It was after that when things started falling apart. When, you know, when the president went to Area 51 and all the rest of that baloney. Um, I could have done without that. I yeah. think the human race could have put up a valiant fight, done the best we could, but we got obliterated. Maybe a few of us might have made it to Mars or something. Yeah. But, you know, so that there could have been a threat of the beginning of the human race again or something. But, you know, it would have been a, a more realistic <coughs> movie. Excuse me. That's right. I've got the creeping crud. I've been fighting it for... I'm fighting it, too. Yeah. That's my other topic. How in the heck do the places that make the vaccines know what's coming and when? Very, very... Where do they, where do they get the stuff? It's a very them? dark thought. Yeah. Very dark. I've been thing. thinking that for about five years. Where do they get it? How do they know when it's coming and when? I don't want to answer that. And I get my thoughts right here, and I always get that. I have my own suspicions. Yeah. Thanks for the call. Yeah. Yeah. Some guy in a dark overcoat, dumping little vials into a reservoir somewhere. First time caller. First time caller line. You're on the air. Hello. 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 Now, see, you got to turn your radio. Oh, boy, after fighting to get through, you hung up. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. First time caller line, you're on the air. Hi, I'm wondering, have you ever heard of uh, Jenny Randalls? Jenny Randalls? Yeah. She's a, an English paranormal studier. She's written a book called Time Travel. Really? And uh, it is. She's, she's pretty well known in England, and she states that all of the alien encounters that we have, supposedly have, yeah. uh, are really travelers from our own future. Well, that's certainly possible, isn't it? And that uh, you know, they're back here to warn us that, that we're messing up 
we're messing with the planet right now and all of this stuff. Um, it's, it's kind of interesting. She, she takes all the evidence for aliens now and says that it's, it's uh, really being misunderstood by people. Uh, but that they're really time travelers from our own future and all of this. But for instance, the little guys with the uh, real big heads, you know, human evolution, you know, people get smarter and smarter, so their heads get bigger and bigger, and yet people, as they are doing now, exercise less, they get weaker and weaker, and uh, so the body kind of shrivels, the heads get real big. Mm -hmm. Anyway, just an interesting thought. You might check out a book called Time Travel by her. I will look for it, my friend. Thank you. Okay. I have always been uh, fascinated with the concept of time travel. In fact, fascinated with the concept of time, period. Absolutely fascinated with the concept of time. I'm not sure that any of us properly understand it. I think that it is our invention. And if you embrace that concept, that time, you know, may be our invention, then you've got to allow that travel within this thing that we don't understand is entirely possible, perhaps in a way we don't understand. Think about that. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi. Hi, Art. This is BJ out in West Covina. Good evening. Hi. Um, I was listening to Stephen Gibbs earlier. Yes, sir. And uh, I wanted to mention that his radionic device sounds very much like an evolution of the Dealer War camera, which was invented back in the 50s. And they used it in England to make time photographs. This is a documented fact. It was written in a book called The Black Box by Stephen Turner, and uh, as far as the frequency goes, 7.8 cycles per second. That's just right in the mid-range of the alpha uh, area, and a lot of the yogis, I understand, go beyond that into theta to four cycles, and that's how they get some of their effects. I just wanted to know that from what I heard him say, it sounds very much like he might have a device that actually works. He might. Uh, because I, I have seen that... models of the uh, Hieronymus machine, the original, and models of the Dealer War camera, and I've seen the Dealer War camera in action, no, and I'm, it is a fascinating machine. I keep trying to tell people, uh, just because a guest is a certain way, which makes him easy, you know, if somebody talks on a topic like this, it, no matter how they present it, it's easy to take off at them. Yes, it is. But you've it, got to be really careful. It, it, it would seem that the devices would actually work, and the guys that make them, these garage gadgeteers, as sometimes they're called, are the ones that are getting hit the most because right. they sound so far off, but yet they're the ones that always come up with the inventions. I know. Thank you very much for the call. That's, that's of course, exactly right. Sony, you know, began in a garage. Did you know that? The Sony Corporation began in a garage. Wildcard Line, you're on the air. Hello. Hey, this is me in Gambling City, right over the hill. How you doing? All right. KSNT. Uh, that's, K that's right. Uh, it is uh, new call letters. And a new radio station with, I might add now, Rush Limbaugh. Yep. He finally got on. That's right. Hey, hey I got some information for you. Uh, all right. Okay. Those uh, weight-tossing gyros. Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. These uh, these things, all they do is they shoot weight up about 40 cycles per second. 40, huh? 40 cycles upwards at an angle. And huh. what it does is the weights hit the top, and then they cancel out all their G after that. But they canceled out at the top of the oval rotation on the track. 
interesting. So it kind of shoots it up like CO2 and a uh, and like a, a motorcycle engine. Huh. That's really interesting. I'm going to think about that one. Yeah, and, uh, you know, if you ever want any information, just say it over the radio and I'll give you a buzz. All right, my friend. Take care. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much. KXNT, Las Vegas. Used to be KBG. New radio station, new call letters, new owners. Uh, they acquired Rush Limbaugh. That tells you where they're going. Uh, a lot of changes going on. KXNT. Well, I, I guess I don't need to tell you. In this time slot, of course, so we would number one in Las Vegas. Way out number one. But in the rest of the time slots, they're beginning to make changes now, KXNT, and they are going to eat Las Vegas alive. Absolutely going to eat Las Vegas alive. There are people there who understand talk radio at KXNT. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi. All right, Mark and Metairie, how you doing? Uh, Metairie, Louisiana. Yes, sir. I have something to post to your listeners out there concerning um, time travel. All right. Um, the event of, like, the possibility of going back in the past. Yes, sir. And creating a paradox by changing changing something like, let's say, taking a life. Um, well, you, it, you did hear what, what my uh, guest had to say about that, Oh, right? Oh, yes, sir, I did. Um, that, uh, answer, that actually answered the paradox, uh, and, and I've always been unable to get past that. Okay, well, let me let me um, pose this. In uh, in our everyday present life, um, there are events that take place all the time. Particularly, the taking of life prematurely. Um, every day you hear of a person, 18 sure. years old, six years old, sure. 12 years old, sure. 40 years old, whatever that was murdered. Sure, some Russian. Uh, um, well, no, just murdered by a gun or, uh, or by anything. You know, um, they were just their life was shortened. When that happens, in a, in a sense, you change their future. Because if they would have would have been murdered, no telling what that future would have been. So why are, are paradoxes created when that happens? Well, maybe because, sir, there are only paradoxes if the change was orchestrated from the future. Do you follow me? Because that there would is be... there is no paradox if it's just pure chance in the current timeline. Because if that was so, then the the present would I mean the future would have to be etched in stone. That's true. And since it's not. Then what will be the difference if a, if a life is shortened by somebody in the timeline that they're in, well, because or from it, any other timeline? All right, I think it's because it's just random chance. Uh, if it's in the current timeline, the only paradox problem occurs when you uh, would be when you uh, uh, change something from the future. And I've never had a good answer to that until Mr. Gibbs came along. Accepted or not, it was an answer to the paradox. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Good evening, Art. It's Hi. Ellen in St. Louis. Hello, Ellen. Um, in response to the man from Oregon, the blind man? Yes. Um, I went to a lecture of Kenneth Ring, who was the near-death experience researcher, and he said a most intriguing thing. Very quickly, on the show is ending. Okay. Um, but out of the people who have NDEs, when they leave their body, they see even blind people... But when they come back, they're blind again. All right. Having said that, there's only now time for you to say, you good know. Good night, America. That's how it's done, right? Canada. Uh, Canada and the, the world. Cosmos. Good night, all. I'm Art Bell. This is the American CBC Radio Network. Good night. Good night.